and we are live. My name's Angelo, and welcome to We Want Picks. Kunith and I are going to break down the entire UFC 283 fight card, giving you our picks, our predictions, our bets, and our fantasy plays. And you may be saying, who the hell is that? What did you do with Jacob? And uh, Angelo, no more skinny, pale, weirdo, white kid jokes. You cut me off of the knees with those. But why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the people? You could throw the white kid jokes out there. I just don't think they'll land. Um, but <laughs> yeah, Kunith MMA, you'll see my channel right there. Talked to Angelo for a while, and he threatened my family if I didn't come in and fill in for Jacob. So we're here. I'll do my best. I know you guys are probably used to your routine, seeing Jacob, seeing Angelo. So sorry to throw a wrench into things, but Jacob uh, couldn't be here. The show must go on, and I didn't want to leave Angelo high and dry, you know? Well, I I genuinely appreciate you coming here. So Jacob's legitimately sick. He was like sick yesterday, but it was like, uh, and that's why we pushed it to today. And he's like, let's see, maybe I'll be better tomorrow. And it took a turn. He's not like dying in the hospital, but he's way too sick to do this. So I called Kunith. He stepped up. Appreciate you guys. Follow him in the description. His link is there, um, Twitter and YouTube. And he does a lot of this same content and a good amount of DraftKings stuff. Now it's time for me to promo my own shit. Go to wewantpicks.com and become a premium member. It is only $10 a month. That's a month. That's not $10 an event. It's $10 a month, and it gives you access to all of the events that entire month. All of our picks, our bets, the predictions, the DraftKings optimizer, fantasy plays, everything you could ever imagine, including the safety parlay. You're going to have to sit through this, Kunith. Sorry. Including the safety parlay, which is is a pre premium. You're getting your wallet is what's happening. It is a premium <laughs> member exclusive. You are up 13.39 units. That is net profit if you have tailed this the last seven events. Last week was Bajra and Rebecca as the base. Third leg was Charles Johnson. And we have a four leg up now for UFC 283. And the last and final plug for the opening will be go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Use any of our links to sign up with one of our affiliate partners and we will send you $50 as a thank you. They pay us. We pay you. Very easy. Wewantpicks.com slash bets. Use the link. Sign up. Make a deposit. I will send you $50. That is out of the way. So let's go ahead and jump in. It's actually a good card. I love these regional cards because they're a little easier to break down, right? They stack them. Traditionally, for the local talent to showcase mm -hmm. some of those people, to cater to the crowd. But um, we do have some tricky fights here. And I broke this down during the break, right? I originally did a quick picks video during the, the three-week lull without odds. And a few of these fights, I was shocked when I saw the actual odds. Because without odds, breaking down fights is way different. Do you ever break down fights without the odds? Or do you have like a routine where you won't look at the odds or anything? Yeah, that's a good question. Normally what I do is I look at the entire card by myself before I start writing what I need to for the videos and I try to decide who is going to win or who's going to be the favorite before I look at the odds and the odds are normally they normally follow it, right? You probably aren't surprised when you see the odds with too many fights, but I could see how you were surprised with these ones. Yeah, there's a handful. I'll point them out. There's a handful that made no sense. Before I jump in, $2 super chat from Quint Lazenby. No way. Kunitz DFS picks are money. Thank you, Quint. Kunitz certainly appreciates it. And I love super chats like that where it's like, here's a couple dollars. And then you use it 
to like say something nice and shout somebody out. So generally appreciated. Are they not um, normally like that? Some, I mean, depends on the stream. Sometimes it's like, here's a dollar, pin it, eat shit, fat boy. It's like, oh, okay, well, you paid for that, so I'll read it. Um, and then Joe Tadoro, $5 super chat. First pay-per-view. It's not how you spell pay-per-view, Joe. Come on, man. First pay-per-view of the year. <laughs> that's just like paper. viewing. That's viewing paper. The first pay-per-view of the year. I want everybody to smash that like button and give Kunith a follow as well. Look at you getting the love. Oh, what a nice guy. Jacob's just nice Jacob's just sitting there stewing, sweating, sick, furious. Jacob didn't make weight. That's all. So, <laughs> so let's go ahead and jump in. The opening fight on this card is Daniel Marcos. He's taking on Simon Oliveira. Daniel Marcos, 13-0 overall. He is undefeated. He is making his UFC debut. And he's taking on Simon Oliveira, 18-4 overall, 4-1 in his last five. And he's coming off that heavy wrestling loss to Tony Gravely. I like Marcos here. I think he's a solid striker. He's got power. He's accurate. He's got a nice, like he does a really good job stringing together combinations. And I have pegged, and let me know in a second here, but I have pegged Simon as a grappler. Like almost a jujitsu nerd. And people like overwhelmingly were like, no, he's a Muay Thai guy. But that is not how he fights. Like he's a capable striker, but it is not. You don't watch his fights and say, this guy is a striker. You watch his fights and you go, that's a yeah, nasty I mean, grappler who's learning the strike. He stands in a Muay Thai stance, but we know what he's looking to do, right? He wants to get 100%. the fight to the mat. He wants to try to submit his opponent. But if he's on the feet, yeah, he is a he is a Muay Thai guy, and he's built that way. But I, I'm right there with you. This guy is very much looking to get the fight to the ground. That's obvious. 100%. And he way overreacts. He way overreacts to strikes. Anything comes his way, he, like completely, completely like ducks, blinks, turns his head. And somebody like Daniel, who's going to string together combinations, I think is going to take advantage of that. So I have Daniel here. What do you think of this fight? So everybody that I've looked at has thought the same way you have. They've thought that Daniel Marcos is going to go out there and win. And when the odds were first made, if I'm not mistaken, Daniel Marcos opened as the favorite. The line swung the other way. But it seems like publicly everybody's on Daniel Marcos. Even if you go to Tapology, it's like 80% of the votes are Daniel Marcos, the Peruvian guy's going to win. But I'm not so sure about that because of not only the opening odds, but also what this fight is going to look like on the mat. Like a lot of us are sour on Simon Oliveira because he got mopped up by Tony Gravely. But sure. that's a hell of a debut to make, right? Tony Gravely's no joke. Tony Gravely had some of us going back and forth when he was going to fight Javid Basharat. So... I don't know if we're just sour on Simon and high on the guy who's coming off a contender series win, but I think that Simon's getting slept on here. I like Oliveira to win personally. I think that he gets it done with the submission. And from a DraftKings perspective, because I know we want to get into that a little bit, no one's playing him. I'm not saying you have to. Sure. I'm not saying that he's a lock. but And we'll talk about this on my final picks video later in the week. But he's somebody who's going to go way under the radar and with his win condition good value and i think that he can get it done i think this is a spot where people are just overreacting to what they saw first time out from him yeah i mean i could definitely i could definitely see that especially because tony gravely is a tough outing because he has power but he's a non-stop wrestler and it doesn't matter how slick you are on the ground you get a really good wrestler with good position that can elbows in for 15 minutes then you're yeah. gonna have trouble i mean daniel marcos is the underdog which i was surprised at that um I expected him to be the favorite because I th I just think there's, I think the gap on the feet is wider than the gap on the ground. 
and Simon Alvarez is going to have to get it to the ground to make something happen. So I, I like um, Marcos here. Again, I broke this down before odds, so I was just watching tape and going from there. So you're saying you would spend the $8,600 on DraftKings? Yeah, yeah, just because it's when it comes to DraftKings, it's the guy who wins the contest is never the guy who played the six people that were the safest pick. This sure. is going to be somebody who comes in super low owned. You have 15 fights on the card with the way the UFC has been over the last year. I doubt we'll have 15 fights by the time Saturday rolls around, but if we do, there's going to be really spread out ownership, but this is somebody who a lot of people probably aren't going to get to. So, if you're playing big contests, large field stuff, running a lot of lineups, having a some exposure to Simon Oliveira, not not terrible. Yeah, certainly. I don't have any bets on this fight, but this also feels like it could be an inside Nor the distance. You. Yeah, no. But it feels like Simon Oliveira could be a safe inside the distance decision, no action kind of guy because he is tough. Tony Gravely pounded on him for a while, mm-hmm. and he's not the type of guy you're just going to get out of there. Like, yeah, he does overreact with the striking, but he is a tough guy. And if he wins, he will likely win by submission. Either. Um. I don't know. I don't think he, I don't think he has. I I in my notes I have very tough likely isn't put away or wins by submission and that's exactly where a bet like that is solid. The problem is he's already the favorite. So then a bet like that which is a safety net bet because there is a world where you get a refund, you know, it's probably going to be a little too rich and not worth it. So I don't know if you know what Monkey Knife Fight is, but it's daily fantasy. These are strike lines, total Strike lines, every single literal pitter-patter strike. They have Daniel Marcos at 57, Simon Oliveira at 51, and we say more or less, and if you're right, you can triple your money. What do you think of this strike line? Does it need to be for both or just one or the other? You have to get both right. Uh, That's what makes it fantasy and not gambling. You know what? I think these guys could end up just going to war for 15 minutes. It's not hard for a guy to hit over 50 significant strikes if it goes. The They're distance. not even significant. It's total, which makes it even oh, easier. Oh, so they just have to put it out there. It doesn't even anything. Happen. Any little slap against the face because you're trying. Someone's trying to take you down counts. Everything. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Then I mean, I think that the more is probably what works out. What works out there. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I think more and more probably makes the most sense because. Uh, Simon's tough. He's probably going to have to swing away to work his way in, and he's not like some killer wrestler that's just going to drag him to the ground without effort. So I think it's going to be, I don't want to say a sloppy fight, but it will be, uh, this isn't going to be a thing of beauty, and I don't think either one of them is going to look like they're incredible. I think it's going to be sloppy back and forth, and if it gets to the ground, Simon will win. If not, he's going to be overreacting to a bunch of strikes coming his way. like that. Then we have... Luan Louise Lacerda taking on Cody Stamen. This is a fight where I was shocked by the odds. But we got Cody Stamen. He's 20 and five overall, two and three in his last five. He's coming off the KO win over Eddie Wineland. Keep in mind, Eddie Wineland's like 49 years old. Luan Lacerda's 12 and one, five and oh in his last five, with his only loss being in all the way back into 2014. Luan Lacerda is another slick grappler. He can strike as well. He comes forward. He is reckless, right? He will just bomb away, throw kicks, no real rhyme or reason, but he does have a ton of power. Then if he can get you get the cage, he's going to work for leg trips, singles, takedowns, things like that. And then on the ground, he can be a savage. Cody Stamen, this dude's well-rounded. He wrestled in middle school, high school. He wrestled in college. He started boxing at 16 years old. He's a technical striker. He can have a nice pace. Doesn't have a ton of power, but he's also a very good wrestler. And yeah, he knocked out Eddie Wyland, but I'm not going to say there's power there. Yeah. I, again, I broke this down before the odds. 
I thought Luan Lucero was going to win this fight. I picked him to win. My notes actually said Cody Stamen if he's an underdog. Like for in my my notes here, I have like a bet column where I put notes on bets. Then he's this. This is the number. He's almost a four to one favorite here, and I get it. He can wrestle, but he is the much less dangerous fighter in this matchup. And even the wrestling doesn't keep him out of the woods because Lacerda's nasty on the ground. So, a hundred percent, I am not touching. Cody Stamen, I'm leaving alone. Luan Lacerda is still going to be my pick. The odds scare me because I feel like I'm missing something. And what am I missing? Well, I, I was actually going to ask if you changed your mind after seeing the odds, but I guess not. But they definitely are giving you some pause, it seems. Um, well, I feel like it's a similar situation to the fight we were just talking about where you were saying with Tony Gravely, he's not the type of guy to get submitted when he's in a dominant position, shoulder or elbows in tight, nothing from the guard is going to surprise him. I feel like Cody Stamen's that same kind of guy, right? He's not going to get submitted while the other guy's on bottom. And if you look at his submission loss to Saeed Nurmagomedov, that was a ninja choke after he was on a single leg. Same thing happened to Saeed Yakub Kakramanov. Yeah, who was pounded on him and then got caught. Yeah, yeah. Nurmagomedov is slick with that. So I give him a pass there. And then against Aljermaine Sterling, the human handbag, he took his back like he is one to do, chokes him out with a rear naked choke. But that wasn't a situation where Cody Stamen's in a dominant position and then loses. So I think that Cody Stamen grinds this guy out. I think that he takes him down. I think that he wins minutes just staying on top, body, body, head, staying busy. I don't think he's going to do anything to wow you. I think Eddie Wineland, Augusta Wind will knock Eddie Wineland out nowadays. But I think that Cody Stamen probably goes on to win this fight. But like you said, odds are crazy. Who would lay minus 400 on Cody Stamen? I hope nobody. If you are in the chat, D-Gen, don't do that. (laughs) And what's crazy about that is it – Grew like the line got worse. It wasn't 375. It's worked its way to 375. So people are throwing money at it. And we have another fight on the card we'll talk about like that. But it almost feels like the Sajar Eubanks Priscilla Cachera fight last week, where it's like, honestly, that should be a close fight. How the hell did one of them end up being a massive favorite and continuing to be a massive favorite? It's continuing to move that direction, as is Cody Stamen's line. I think people are just parlaying him, and I I have no, uh, no idea why. But anyway, uh, you and I. I don't know if I showed these stats already. Yeah, I did. You and I are on opposite sides of the pick here, but you don't agree with these odds either. What no, would you cap? What would you cap this as? Minus one twenty or more? I don't know enough about Luan Lacerda to say that Cody Stamen's going to be only minus one twenty. I think minus two hundred makes sense, but nearly minus four hundred is egregious. Hundred one hundred egregious. That's crazy. One hundred percent agree with you there. So, um, no bets. The pick for me is Luan. The pick for Kunith is Cody. You touching DraftKings? I think Luan's a great underdog at $7,000, especially for a tournament play because he is live on his feet. He bombs away, and he's live on the ground if he can get it there. But Cody's going to be the better wrestler. I'm, I'm from the Northeast, and I heard you say this last time out. I say tournament. <laughs> you say tournament, and you're from tournament. the Northeast? And I know it's wrong, but I say tournament. I, but also my pronunciation, sometimes it's like White House correspondent. Other times it's Brendan Schaub. Like there's no <laughs> between. Marbles. It's kind of a mess. But I think that uh, I think that the better DraftKings play here is definitely Lacerda with his win condition. Cody Stamen could easily go out there, win a decision, score less than 80 points, 15 fights, that was not even close to cutting it. And I don't think he's a safe enough play to be in your cash games either. 
I'm not on Cody Stamen this week. Not for DraftKings. Yes, yeah, sir. So I, I completely agree with you. Not $9,200. So premium members, we have a we rank every single fighter by salary, right? Here's the 9,000 group, the eight, whatever it is, right? There's groups. Cody Stamen is at the bottom of the 8,900 to whatever salary group, at the bottom of it, because there are other fighters in that price category that are much more likely to win that fight. So I, I just, the odds baffle me here, and then there's one more fight where that same thing's happened. If you're not a premium member, we want picks.com. It's only $10 a month. Just click become a member at the top. You will immediately unlock everything, including a full-blown DraftKings optimizer. This is one of the fights that makes no sense to me. We have Josiane Nunez taking on Zara Fair. Are you shaking your head at me or there's like a person in the room? I'm shaking my head at this fight. I don't know why. Oh, oh. <laughs> looking at this fight. I don't know how Zara Fair is on the roster. I Listen, well, let, let's go ahead and break it down. So you you and I might be, I'm not picking her to win, but you and I might be a little a little wide on this one as well. But we have Josiane Nunez taking on Zara Fairn. Nunez, 9-1 overall. No relation to Amanda. 5-0 oh in her last five. She is coming off the decision win. Decision win over now cut Ramona Pascal. Zara Fairn, 6-4 overall. 3-2 and two in her last five. She is looking for her first UFC win. Yes, she's 0-2 in the UFC, but her first two fights in the UFC was Megan Anderson and then Felicia Spencer. Like, that is a rough go. Two very large women who are physical. One's a great kickboxer. One's a great grappler. And Zara Farron is a technical striker. She has zero ground game, zero takedown defense whatsoever, but she is a technical striker. Nice jab, decent kicks, no actual power. Josiah Nunez, all power. Crazy power. She throws incredibly hard. She's not a very good grappler herself, but her striking is solid and she can be busy. She does have some nice leg kicks and then she'll bomb away with overhands. I think Josiane wins this fight because I think the power is going to start to, you know, start to do the damage. I don't think she's going to win by stoppage. I don't think this is the minus 550. I think that's absolutely absurd because Zara Farron, we're going to see her in a kickboxing match. That's what she wants. That's what she is. We're finally going to see her in a kickboxing match and not against massive veteran short notice. Like both of those women, her first two UFC opponents fought for a title. Jose and Nunez struggled, gave up a round against a short notice Ramona Pascal. So I think these odds are, abs- I think that it's absurd. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't think the odds are absurd. I think that anybody could be a minus five hundred favorite against our affair. <laughs> but this is a fight that has over written all over it. I think that Zara yes. Farron is gonna be able to move a bit, stay out of trouble, not get knocked out by the big power, maybe knocked down once or twice, but not knocked out by Nunez here. But um CJ said it in the chat. She's a jobber, and she really is. Like, Nunez goes in there, beats her up, wins a decision, moves on. We don't need to spend too much time talking about this. This isn't isn't a fight that you should be playing on DraftKings. This isn't a fight that you should be betting on. She's nothingness. Get her out of here. She's just so – Josiane, $9,500. You absolutely need a finish to be worth that, and this is one of the very few times you will get a a one-and-a-half round line on on feet in a female fight. I do like the over. over. Yeah, I do like that over quite a bit because, listen, Josiane has power, but she doesn't have, like, insane power. She couldn't get Ramona Pascal on short notice out of there. 
And Ramona Pascal was just put out. So we know it's possible. And I've talked about this a lot on my channel as well. When it comes to women's MMA, I I was doing this for half the year. Um, The the hit rate on the over was over 70%. On women? On women's MMA going over, despite division. The hit rate was over 7. It was around 73% at the middle of the year for the entire year. One and a half rounds, give me that all day. Josie Nunes has power, but it's because she plants her feet and throws everything into these big hooks. Sure. And women like Romano Pascal can't get out of the way. But <laughs> I don't think that this is a spot where you want to touch the under. I think the over is easy, very easy. I 100% agree with you. One and a half round. And Zara's technical. She'll bounce around. She'll stay on the outside. She'll jab away every time Josine plants her feet. So Nunes is the pick for both of us, but you should do absolutely nothing with that information if you want to go ahead and uh, hit that over, we think that's a pretty safe play there. We're flying through. Boy, without jumping on the chair and the theatrics, we are flying through this. I'm sure people Holy like crap. the theatrics. It's a, it's a good bet. Oh, 100%. No, 100%. Uh, next up at UFC 283, we have Warley Alves taking on Nicholas Dalby. Warley Alves, 14-5 and five overall, 2-3 and three in his last five. He is alternating Wins and losses. Nicholas Dalby is 20 and 4 overall, 3 1 and 1 in his last five. And he's coming off the decision win over Claudio Silva. And I like Dalby here. He's he's the less dangerous of the two fighters, but he's also the more durable guy, the more consistent guy. He comes forward, he works for a full 15 minutes. Where Warley comes out, he swings wild. Then he might even jump guillotine or start to fade over time and you know, he's uh, sort of first round or bust, but he has insane power, always hunting for a KO. But I'm going to I'm gonna go with slow and steady here. Nicholas Dalby's going to be the pick. Plus 105. I don't know if I'll necessarily touch that. I've got plenty of other bets on here, more confident picks on a card like this, but I'm liking Dalby. What do you think? Uh, I like the steadiness out of Dalby for sure, right? We know what we're going to get out of him, but he's not super dangerous. And I think that's where Worley Alves has the most trouble. Guys that are able to put him in bad positions and finish him. I don't know if Nicholas Dalby is going to do that. And I don't think that Nicholas Dalby is going to try to grapple with this guy either. Like he's alternating wins and losses. He's had mixed results, but he's the same guy that choked out Colby Covington, right? So you got to put some respect on his name even Munir Lazez who's solid we know how slick that guy is his he almost sliced through his stomach with the uh the body kicks that he was landed in the first round so I like the more explosive guy here I like the guy who has more tools to win the younger guy Nicholas Dalby at 38 which makes you what about eight ten years older than him probably and then I like uh I like how Worley Alves did you just ask how much older Dalby is than Alves no, I asked how much older you were than Dolby. Oh, I was like, it's on the screen, dummy. Yeah, no. Oh, um, no. But, I'm, I'm a, how old do you think I am? I've told you. I, I'm curious how old the chat I, thinks I am. I don't, I, remember, I don't remember. What, you told me, what, 45? I think your internet's going out. Your video stream looks like it's going to be cut off in a second. Oh, no. I'm 39. Okay, gotcha. You really thought I was 45? Holy shit. No, I'm just messing with you, man. <laughs> 56 i need the work i need to work on myself holy shit (laughs) that's hilarious i'm 55 so don't feel bad but no i like worley alves to get it done here um i don't love it because i think that he could fall apart later in this fight i think that nicholas dalby is a tough out for anybody and could steal around here but even last time out against claudio silva was an old tiny grappler 
he went life or death with him. Claudio Silva secures the <laughs> takedown the third round. The fight's over, right? He wins by decision. He doesn't sure. secure the takedown. Nicholas Dalby wins. I don't know. I, I'm going to take the more talented guy here. Uh, I, I, well, I, yeah, I hear you. Wadley is definitely the more dangerous guy. Talent is an interesting word because, like, he's talented because he's just, he's super athletic and he's willing to risk it. Yeah. Like, I don't I'll know if, like, right. skill you're for right. skill, I don't know if he's better, but yeah, he's definitely one. He's, he's 100% the more dangerous guy. So, you know, I, um, I'm not touching it. This, again, is a great inside the distance decision, no action spot for Wadley Alves, but he's the favorite and you're not going to get your money on that. Because he's tough enough to not get put away. And Nicholas Dalby's not very dangerous. But, you know, I, I, Worley Olive is, I, I feel like in this fight, is is closer to first round or bust. And, I, you know, I, I'm i a little too conservative to do anything with that. Let, let me ask you, where do you get that decision no action uh, bet? Where, where is that? Uh, DraftKings will have it as a finish only. But our partner, Bet Online, has it. And uh, it's just called Inside the Distance Decision No Action. They have it on every single fight. And I don't know if that was a setup or not, but I'm going to take it. And if you if you want to go to wewantpicks.com slash bets, use our link to hop into Bet Online, make an account, do a deposit. I will send you 50 bucks as a thank you. But they genuinely, promo aside, Bet Online has 17 unique prop bets for every single fight. 17, including who gets more takedowns, Takedown lines, who's going to land more significant strikes, things like that. Like stuff you will literally not see anywhere else. So depending on the matchup, there's some easy, like I I just I just cleaned up with, and they limit some of those bets, like where you can only win $100 because they know, like it's stupid. But um, I just cleaned up on Umar Namagamadov under, they set his takedown line at four and a half. And I was like, listen, win, lose, it doesn't matter. He's not getting four and a half takedowns here or five. So I did the under and it hit. So I love those. Nice lob. You going to spend the $8,300 on Warley Alves? No. All right. Well, Miss oh, I love the, the more dangerous guy. I got to go with the dangerous guy. Sure. <laughs> um, no, listen, I, you can't necessarily trust him, but if he wins, he's going to score 120 points. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be uh, – he's probably a great tournament play and a terrible cash play because of the risk for sure. And then the I'll monkey – yeah, That makes sense. The monkey knife fight strike line, 32 to 63. I hate when they're this wide because I like to just say over, over, under, under. But this is probably an, uh, more, it, it, it's probably more, more. If I think Dalby wins, it's going to be more, more because it's going to work its way to a decision and he's going to land a whole bunch of strikes along the way. But if, you know, if, if Warley wins this, then it's going to be a less, less. Oh, so, so you can do I, more for one fighter, less for the other. Okay, that's 100%. what I was asking before. I just didn't oh know. yeah, sorry. Okay. Yep. No, hundred percent. So yeah, I'm not gonna touch it, and you know you don't need to. No, nope. you don't need to play every single one. But um, they also have knockout kings, and this next fight. Oh no, the next fight after this is a perfect candidate for that. So we have Terrence McKinney taking on Ismael Bonfim, the first. Of the two Bonfim brothers fighting on this card, Terrence McKinney is 13 and 4 overall, 4 and 1 in his last five. He is coming off the submission win over Eric Gonzalez, and he's taking on Ismael Bonfim, 18 and 3 overall, 5 and 0 in his last five. And his last loss was to Hanato Moicano in 2014. Those brothers, the Bonfim brothers, are very talented. 
They're somewhat similar. This is the wild one. The other brother is more controlled. We'll break him down a little bit. This is the wild brother. He's a wild striker. He's got real power. No regard for straight punches. He just charges forward. Everything is looping. It's like he's throwing a baseball. He'll mix in flying knees. He can grapple. He's got solid BJJ. He's a well-rounded guy, but he's running out there for a finish. Terrence McKinney is interesting because if you go through his record, there's losses on there that you're like, oh, my God. Like, I didn't realize this. I didn't realize he lost to these people. But then you see him recently, and he's like, oh, he's a killer. Mm -hmm. But my biggest issue with Terrence McKinney is he is hittable. And this isn't even just the Drew Dober fight because he he got as close to putting out Drew Dober as anybody's going to get. But he's hittable. Even like that win over Rake Gonzalez or Eric Gonzalez, he looked good in the win, but he was hit hard yep. and then needed to lean on his wrestling to get out of that danger. And somebody like Ismail with, with the reckless abandon and how he comes forward, if Terrence is going to stand up and play that game, he's going to be in trouble. So I'm still going to pick Terrence McKinney because he is the better fighter. He's going to have the better wrestling. He should have the more technical striking. I don't know if he'll have the better raw jiu-jitsu, but he's a very capable grappler. But he needs to be careful and not think that he's a striker in this matchup because he's going to be in a lot of trouble. What do you think? Yeah, I like the point that you were making toward the end there with Eric Gonzalez. Eric Gonzalez was touching him, touching him a lot. And if he was landing that same way, if he made it through the first round and was doing that in the second round, he probably knocks Terrence McKinney out. And I think that's important because Eric Gonzalez is the same dude that got packed up on the feet by Jim Miller. And that's saying something, right? So I'm not so high on Terrence McKinney because of the way that he fights, right? Like if he wins... If he wins and I pick against him, I'll look like an idiot because he sparks the dude out in 90 seconds. Sure. But if he loses and you pick him, it's you can't really blame yourself because he doesn't fight a style that could go beyond five minutes, realistically. Sure. I think sure. if Bonfim gets on his bike, uses footwork, stays on the outside, moves laterally, I think that if he survives those first five minutes and starts bombing on him for the next five minutes, he's going to get him out of there. And I said this on my video from earlier in the week. I think a lot of people are going to go with Gabriel Bonfim and fade Ishmael Bonfim. I see it the other way around. I think that he beats Terrence McKinney by finishing him after the first round. And we'll talk about about the other brother as well. Um, But yeah, I I think that Terrence McKinney just, I I don't know. And I also, Angelo, I I have something that I need to show you. I have a little conspiracy theory about Terrence yeah, McKinney go. in this matchup. So I don't want them to hear me, but um, I think that Terrence McKinney is put in a position by the UFC to lose this fight because the UFC knows that the fans are forcing his hand to make him <laughs> fight Patty the baddie. <laughs> oh, and, and he'll smoke Patty. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think they want that. I don't think they want those problems. So they're going to get somebody in there who has a decent amount of hype, can capture that McKinney hype, give him a good fight, probably put him out. So give me Ishmael Bonfim here on DraftKings at his price all day. I mean, either side, you're going to need either side. Sure. If you're running multiple lineups. You'll, ha- you'll need exposure to, to both of this. I don't know what the fight doesn't go. The distance line is, but I see Jason Peace in the chat. He, he's, he's, he's on point there. Yeah, I assume this fight is not going to go the distance as well because we've seen Terrence McKinney is a finisher, but he also gets finished. And it's not, you know, that Drew Dober fight wasn't an anomaly. That's not the first time he's ever looked like a human, right? Uh, It definitely, I don't want to say exposed him because he didn't do anything wrong. That was a short notice fight. 
And he went out there, almost took that dude's head off, and then got exhausted trying for the finish, and then he got put away. But it was short notice, so let's... But in three minutes. Listen, I... That probably last three minutes, but not a professional fighter, right? That's crazy. I mean, listen, a lot of these people in the chat, uh, no offense to them. Just joking, chat. Just by the way they type, some of the things (laughs) they say. (laughs) Physically fit people don't type the way that a lot of these people type unfortunately but um i agree you should play either side in DraftKings um because there will be a finish and it's hard picking who and these odds are appropriate i actually i threw a little a little half a unit on terrence mckinney when i first broke this down i regret that bet deeply deeply but it was during the three-week lull the lines dropped and i was like minus 136 people are obsessed with terrence that line's going to take off, and he should win this fight. He went all the way down to, like, minus 105, and now it's creeping back up. He's at mm-hmm. minus 126. So it'll uh, it'll probably continue to move a little bit, but end up somewhere near here. So I regret that bet. I actually have that note if you're a premium member and you saw the bet. It's not just a list of bets, right? There's some context. I have the note there. You know, it's full transparency because if it hits, I'm going to count it. Like I'm going to, you know, I'm going to say, hey, I had that. But if it, you know, <laughs> I have the, I have the caveat there. Like I don't love this. This is not a high confidence bet. So, um, I, I, I wanted to bring this up and see what your thoughts are. The way Terrence McKinney fights, right? And you know, some guys who are professional fighters. You know what gyms are like. Terrence McKinney, normally guys. A lot of guys fight the way that they train, right? Like if you watch Alex Volkanovsky, that guy trains and fights the same way. Sean Strickland quite literally trains and fights the same way. Yeah. There's no way Terrence McKinney is fighting or training this way in the gym, right? He's not going balls to the wall trying to put guys out. So what that tells me is there might be a mental issue going on, right? Some kind of mental block where he gets in there, he's high up on adrenaline, and he wants to finish the guy immediately as opposed to having a relaxed, composed, athletic performance. He just kind of gets into some killer mentality, and I don't know if that's going to work against a tough Brazilian in his own backyard this week. Yeah, the backyard thing is interesting. Well, there's a lot of dynamics going on here. So one, so Terrence is at a a decent gym, but not a massive gym. He's with uh, Jukau. And uh, they got a couple of good guys there. Juke has a phenomenal jujitsu guy. My my issue to go against Terrence, I feel like he's he's thinking he's a little better than he is. And I'm not basing that off anything other than every time the UFC cuts to him when he's at an event, it's like, dude, you're fighting in two weeks. You're wearing that stupid ass shirt, hanging out with these people. You flew across the country to act like this right now. Like, dude, you're flying across the world in in a week, in two weeks to fight. Like, what is happening? And then the other side of that, um, to go for him, listen, brothers fighting on the same card, I don't I don't know, right? But even teammates fighting on the same card sometimes is too much pressure. And if one loses, the other one is going to, you know, it's very hard to just put that aside. You're worried about your loved one. Obviously, Ishmael's fighting first, so it'll be less pressure for him. But you know, there's a lot going on there. UFC debut in Brazil on a card with his brother. There's a, against somebody who's very tough, very talented. So I like Terrence McKinney to win. I'm gonna fade them. You know, as far as any additional bets, I did do that half a unit on Terrence that I'm sort of regretting. If I can undo it, I would. But um, you know, it'll be a fun fight for sure. And I definitely understand the logic of one of them should be in your DraftKings lineup because there will be a finish here for sure. It's like heavyweights basically, except way more talented. Right. Uh, Monkey Night Mike's straight line, I, I'm, I'm just not going to touch it because 
this could be real fast or not. Not touching it at all. Yeah. Do yeah, you think this tough. goes over one and a half? What do you think? Over one and a half rounds, I think it's I think it's so tough. I think it's so yeah. tough to call. Um for the monkey knife fight thing, it's tough because 40 strikes for Terrence McKinney. If somebody if Terrence McKinney hits somebody 40 times who isn't Drew Dober, they probably die. Sure. Right. Sure. I would say the less makes more sense there. And uh and I guess you would say the less for the other guy as well. I think that makes sense. Less, less. And they I come out bombing. Probably, I don't think it goes. It might go under a round and a half. Yeah, seven and a half minutes. I don't know if it lasts that long. The under might be the play here. I mean, I I uh, ate shit this past weekend when I did the over on um, the Charles Johnson flick fight. Oh yeah, and because I was like over one and a half flicks, pretty tough. Charles Johnson, you know, he's got power, but not. And then yeah, that was stupid. That was stupid. I didn't bet it. It They're wasn't a bet, but I had it in. Uh, I had it in fantasy. So yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. It's Saturday night. You're like, why the hell did I do this? What am I, an idiot? Or it's like, told you, I'm a genius. Bryce Mitchell's a redneck who sucks. So I was love. Ooh, I was loving that. Anyway, <laughs> we want picks.com. Click become a member. You will unlock all of our bets. When I say ours, I'm not Kunith, mine and Jacobs. Kunith has his own. Thing going on, so head over to him, subscribe to him, sign up for his premium, do those things, but you know, also do mine and do mine first, and then see like your budget, what you have left, and then go check out other people. Sorry, it's just how this goes. Hey, I'm I'm on I'm in your house. I get it. <laughs> it's so funny because like so anytime I have people over, you know, you you play cornhole, whatever. I you obviously have played cornhole, right? Yeah, I, I don't have a set. I, I'm black. I don't, I don't own a cornhole game. <laughs> but you're just like naturally good at it. But you do live in a frozen tundra, so this whole I'm black thing makes no sense. Cause... I play I play cornhole overhand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything, everything is like that. <laughs> but um, I do house rules for me. Any game we play, I play bust. Like if you go over, you go back to 11. Oh, yeah. But sometimes, yeah. sometimes I don't say it until I'm, you know <laughs> – the other team is over. I'm like, oh, sorry, bust rules, going backwards. So you mentioned you're in my house, and those, you know, I will pull out some sketchy rules after I've lost to make sure that that loss doesn't stick. Just, just win, baby. Just win. Yeah. All, if you if you and Tito Ortiz, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. There you go. Next up at UFC 283, we have the biggest favorite on the entire card. We have Jalton Almeida taking on Shamil Abu Karimim. <laughs> I, I halfway through it wasn't working, and I'm like, well, just lean into it, not working. Abdurakimov. <laughs> Abdurakimov. Wow. In no world was I going to get there. Um, this fight was actually supposed to happen a couple of months ago, fell apart. It's back together. The problem is, Jalton Almeida is a ridiculous, massive favorite, but he is 17 and 2 overall. He is riding a 12 fight win streak with his last loss being all the way back in 2018. So he's very active, 12 wins since 2018. He's fighting Shamil, who's 2-3 and three in his last five. He is riding a three-fight stoppage loss streak. You got to go Jalton Almeida here, just based on what he's been doing, how he's been doing it. He is a light heavyweight that just... And, and it's not like he struggled to make weight. He's a light heavyweight who decided to become a heavyweight, and he doesn't look out of place. He's massive. Jacked seems plenty strong, 
not having an issue with the size. He has not fought a massive heavyweight yet. Shamil's not going to change that here. But Shamil, listen, he's a decent wrestler. He took down Derek Lewis four times. He beat Andre Arlovsky, took him down twice in that win. I don't see Shamil winning here because Jalton Almeida is literally just doing whatever he wants lately. I think he comes forward, gets the takedown, elbows away. Jalton Almeida is absolutely the pick, but I think he's too far gone to parlay at minus 900. What do you think? Heavyweight MMA, laying that kind of number is, is crazy to me. But I do think that Jalton Almeida just packs him up here. We saw Curtis Blades go five for five on takedowns, and people say, oh, well, it's Curtis Blades. There's nothing that would lead me to believe that Jay Alton Almeida isn't any different at all, right? Sure. I think that he's going to be able to throw this guy down, uh, take his back, and probably choke him out in the first round. Um, we saw how good he looked against Parker Porter, who's really no slouch on the ground at all, right? And then we saw, what was the guy's name? Anton Turkali last time out, how Turkals, quickly finished yeah. him. Turkalge, there we go. So you got one back. Nice. Yeah, see? Uh, but no, <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't think Shamil wins any more UFC fights. I don't know if Shamil fights for that much longer. He might have success in other promotions, but I don't see him being in the promotion for that long. Jailton Almeida rolls. We don't need to spend too much time here. I think first round makes sense. I agree with all of that, except I do think it'll be a TKO instead of a submission, only because mm -hmm. I think he's going to get the takedown and just absolutely Round pound down. away. But I'm not going to bet any of those outcomes. Uh, Monkey Knife Fight, we've been talking about the strike lines, the more or less, but they also have a game called Knockout Kings. You can pick any three fighters on the card, any three, including two people fighting each other. And if one of them wins by KO or TKO, you get paid. If two, you get paid more. Three, you get paid even more. I have John Almeida in my Knockout Kings entry because I think it's... And if he doesn't, it's fine. I have two more slots, right? But I think I think he's going to get the takedown and just elbow, 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 elbow. I don't think he's going to immediately start looking for that submission because especially you get a wrestler like Shamil off his back, he's going to get taken down, be on his back, be a little clueless, not have a tight guard, not pull anything in. I don't think there's grappling. I think he's going to get taken down and just absolutely beat on but we both agree there's gonna be a stoppage in the first round and that's the end of that yeah is ninety seven hundred dollars too much money uh i think for a lot of people it will be and that's why it's not i think that a lot of people with 15 fights are going to avoid it obviously you're going to get a lot of ownership on the main event you're going to get a lot of ownership on the co-main event and they're priced down so you can get to both of those and still have salary left over but you're going to have to play a lot of unpopular dogs to get up to him at 9,700. So I do think that there's some positive leverage there. I really do. Um, it's He's difficult. If you've been building lineups at all, you, you would know he's difficult to get in there with things yeah. you feel good about. But I do think at 9,700, he's worth it, especially in cash games. The dude's a lock. Well, and that and that's the thing. Like This card does have a couple of spots where you know, you're pretty positive you know who's going to win, right? Oh, yeah. But he is the most positive, hence the odds. But he's also going to win by, you know, it's a fist fight. Literally anything can happen. But the most likely outcome here is a very early finish. And $9,700, you know, if I can get my 120 out of it, potentially more if it's super early, then, you know, it's uh, it'll be worth it. So I, I will probably have him in my lineup. And it's not too often you have cards where you have a pretty much a lock guarantee. We mentioned ownership. If you want access to DraftKings ownership, player rankings, the optimizer, projected scores, and all of that data, including a fancy little DFS cheat sheet, 
Head on over to weonpicks.com. Click become a member. It's freaking $10 a month for everything. $10 a month for literally all of it. All my stuff, all Jacob's stuff, the optimizer, DraftKings, prize picks, fan duel, literally everything. It's nonstop content for $10 a month. Sorry, I feel bad doing the promos, but I mean, I got to pay the bills. And you weren't free, so. The check back. Next up, I imagine I you. Yeah, yeah. Off camera. Yeah, let's, let's finish this entire thing and then we'll figure that out. House rules. <laughs> yeah, house, house rules, exactly. It didn't bounce. I postdated it for 2025. Next up, at UFC 283, we have the second Bonfim brother, the more controlled Bonfim brother, and he is taking on Munir Lazez. Gabriel Bonfim is 13-0. He is undefeated in his career, making his UFC debut. And he's taking on Munir Lazez. He's 11-2 overall, 4-1 in his last five. He's coming off that striking showcase win over Ange Lusa, who's a dangerous striker. I like Munir Lazez here. Again, I broke down all of these fights before the odds. I wasn't necessarily surprised that Munir was an underdog, but I was surprised he was like a good size underdog. I thought this would be pretty close because Gabriel Bonfim, like his brother, right? He's a very solid striker, very high-level boxing credentials, very solid BJJ. He's a well-rounded guy, and he's the more patient of the two, and he tends to grapple a little bit more than his brother. But Munir Lazez is a very good striker. He's got a pretty good chin, so he can hang out in the pocket. He has a lot of power, solid cardio, works well with combinations, and he has fantastic takedowns and great fight IQ. I like Munir Lazez to win this fight. It is a tough fight to call because we just don't know how good or overrated the Bonfim brothers might be. They may be unbelievable and just absolutely like dominate their fights or it could be a dud and you know what frankly if his brother loses Gabriel's going to be dealing with that and have a tough opponent in front of him so there's going to be a lot going on but I like Munir Lazez but it, it may be a live bet type situation or wait till his brother fights and if his brother's mauled Terrence McKinney smokes that dude hey it may be worth throwing a little something on Munir because all of a sudden Gabriel's dealing with the emotions of watching his brother get the shit kicked out of him what do you think yeah, I, I think you hit a lot of good points with Lazez, and I agree with a lot of them. I think that he wins this fight. Uh, I think the patient approach from Bonfim, I think a patient approach for anybody is a recipe for disaster against a technician like Lazez, because this dude has crazy active hands. I do liken this fight a lot to the Angelusa fight, because Angelusa is 1-2 down the middle, hook at the end of his combinations, but very simple, basic plots forward and Lazez just floated on him right and I think that he can do that to a lot of guys and somebody like Bonfim making his debut he's probably coming out second he's going to be in the red corner I'm assuming right okay. Brazilian people going nuts as he's walking out he's going to be all filled up with emotion he might be tight and you know I think Lazez throws over 100 strikes lands over 100 significant strikes I should say stays to the outside and and gets the job done. I think the people that will beat Munir Lazez are people that can just explode on him, like Worley Alves did. But I don't think that uh, Gabriel Bonfim is going to be able to take this guy out, and I don't think he's going to take him down either. And that is his only path to victory, in my opinion, is taking him down and trying to submit him. But I like the footwork. I like the busy hands. I like the technique. The guy's a sniper. Give me Lazez as well. Yeah, and, well, and Lazez has decent takedown defense at 71%, and it's not like it's been wildly tested, but... 
yeah, he's a very well-rounded, very capable guy. And I'm surprised the lack of respect he's getting because, you know, and this is just MMA comment sections in general. Like, everybody's 100% positive that their guy's going to win. Oh, yeah. But there's a lot of, like, Lizez gets murdered. It's like, but what have you seen that makes you think he gets murdered? Dude, like, dude last week I had I, – I can't tell you how many people I had tell me that Dan Ige was going to spend 15 minutes on his back and tap <laughs> for his life and – I I understand the the comment sections are very polarizing, but I don't think that he murders Lizez here. I don't think there's many guys that are going to murder Lizez um, unless you're again somebody who has crazy power who could just bomb on him. But even then, like that body kick from Orly Alves, that's that's going to buckle Cyril Gone. You know what I mean? Sure, like that, sure, sure. It's, it's your body. There's only so much you can do. Well, and I was I was actually I I broke down the last card also before the odds. I picked Damon Jackson to win because I thought he would wet blanket. But I was like, if he... And that's fair. If he's in a kickboxing match, he's going to get his ass kicked. The dude was in a kickboxing... Didn't even attempt to... Like, some of the lowest fight IQ I've ever seen in my entire life. And frankly, I'm going to bring that back when we talk about the co-main event. Because there's a lot of factors there and we'll, we'll figure that out in a little bit, but you and I are both on Munir Lazez. I love him at the $7,400 price point. There's not a lot of underdogs that I really like, and that's, he's not, he's not an $8,100. Like, this is a solid price point at $7,400. Yeah, and I mean, on DraftKings, you get 30 points for the decision win. You get 0.2 points for strikes landed, 0.2 points for significant strikes, so it's basically like significant strike is worth 0.4. If he lands 100, right, he's got 40 points in the bank, and then he's got another 30 points from the decision win. He needs to make another, what, four points to be able to kind of pay off his price tag if you want to look at it that way. I think he's a solid play on DraftKings. And I think he's good leverage over Bonfim. I think more people will go with uh, with uh, Bonfim in this spot. Yeah, people people are loving him. And uh, so, yeah, I'll take the $7,400 um, UFC veteran that has proven to be a capable grappler, capable striker, you know, not not taken aback by the moment versus a UFC debut fighting on the same card of his brother. You know, there's just a lot going on. But Gabriel could look like an absolute superhero. But anyway, Love that. we're on the same side here. And um, we like the DraftKings Monkey Knife Fight Strike Line. I think it's a more and more type situation. I think this does go the distance for the most part because we're on the Munir side. I think there's a lot of striking, even in the attempted grappling exchanges, these are total strikes, not significant. So these like head pats and stuff like that, defending the takedown, those all count. 58 to 62, I, I like the more and more here uh, for Monkey Knife Fight. Agreed. If you want to play that line, head on over to wewantpicks.com slash MKF. They will instantly match your deposit. You give them 20 bucks, they'll give you 20. You give them 100, they'll give you 100. Take the free money. Don't even use your real money. Take the free money. Play this line, play some others. And if you win, you have even more free money if you lose it was theirs. Who cares? What are you laughing at? How good my sales pitches are? Is that what you taking no, it's, notes? It's good. And the free money thing. I think I feel like what people screw up with the free money is they say, "Oh, this is free money. It doesn't matter," and they put it on something crazy. <laughs> no, right. yeah, treat it like it's yours. But if you lose it, it wasn't. That's the money you should be conservative with, because then it becomes yours when you win. So just keep that in mind when you take advantage of this guy's awesome offers. Yeah. See, look at you. Even Jacob doesn't support me like that. Tides are turning. Get you a man that could do both. <laughs> I need, I need. <laughs> Next up at UFC 283, we have Tiago Moises, who 
by the grace of God, he sat down every day praying to that giant Brazilian Jesus. Please, for the love of God, don't let me fight Garam. Please. And they're like, all right, fine. Take on Melk Costa on short notice. Fine. Here you go. You've done enough. So Tiago Moises has a short notice, last minute replacement. And he's a heavy favorite, and he should be. He's 16 and 6 overall, 3 and 2 in his last five. He is coming off the submission win over Christos Gallegos, and he's taking on Melk. 0% chance I actually pronounced this name. Melk Costa, 19 and 5 overall, 4 and 1 in his last five. He is making a short notice UFC debut. I'm going Tiago Moises here, but a lot of you probably don't know who Melk is, so we'll just talk about him briefly. He is a well rounded guy, he's got some creative striking, he's got solid grappling. His takedowns are forced, but he is strong enough and he's persistent enough that even if he doesn't get you to the ground, he'll get some cage control and then he'll hold you and you know sort of work you for a little bit trying to do that. You will see him work takedowns very often, but he really doesn't need to. He's got powerful hands, solid striking technique, and he strings together combinations pretty well, and he'll even work in some spinning attacks. The problem is Tiago Moises, he's only 27, but he's basically a veteran at this point. He's got very technical striking. He's got good wrestling, phenomenal jujitsu, and I think this fight basically looks like his last fight. I think this kind of looks like the Christos Gallegos fight. I think he's going to waste zero time striking, get it to the ground, and then immediately, be, you know, just he's going to be the better grappler and immediately work towards that submission. So I like Moises to win. I have a three-unit bet on him at minus 335. So this is starting to move. It's minus 375 now, so a little bit of closing line value there potentially. But I think it's a pretty straightforward breakdown. What do you think? I, I'm i agreed on all accounts. I think the line is a little wide for Tiago Moises. Realistically, I don't think Tiago Moises should be that big of a favorite against a lot of guys. But in a situation like this, Melk, I won't try to say his name either, making his UFC debut. This should be easy work for Tiago Moises. I do worry for Moises that, and the, the last fight kind of debunked this for me, but I worry that he fights to the level of his competition. We remember when Michael Johnson was piecing him up for an entire round before he stepped into a heel hook. I don't know if yeah. you know this. Tiago Moises, one significant strike that fight. One. <laughs> I did and not. made it I to the second not. round. Only one. Yeah, Terrible sure. look. Terrible look. How does that happen against Michael Johnson? How? And then you have to look at the fight with Bobby Green. He gets the decision. <laughs> did he actually yeah. win that fight? I no, don't I, yeah. Know. But then uh, you see him actually hold his own against... Uh, Islam Makachev and that kind of tells you where he's at with his maturation because he's a young guy he's been in the UFC for a while getting better with each fight and last time out was kind of his uh, his masterpiece right like he looked real good against Giagos and I think he could look good against Melk as well Uh, sneaky play on DraftKings at 9,000 not a lot of people are going to be dying to play him but I do think that he probably wins inside the distance yeah and I um you're right. He's been in the UFC for a very long time, and we've seen him mature. I cannot believe he's only 27. Yeah. I would have assumed he was like 33, and he's yeah. finally, like, that's like he's at his peak, like, right there, and then, you know, eventually he'll have a steep fall. But he's only 27, and he's not an abused 27. Like, yes, no. he's been in some wars and stuff, but he's not abused. His body's not falling apart, so... And I agree. I I love Tiago Moises. We've picked him as an underdog a couple of times and had some success. Jacob, he was Jacob's lock of the week like a year and a half ago. I don't even remember who the opponent was. But minus 375 is wide for Tiago Moises in general because he's not a killer. But 
with these circumstances, I don't mind it. It feels appropriate with these circumstances against this opponent. And he was training for Garam. He was training for a beast. Garam would have smoked him. He 100% would have. I would have bet everything on him. 100%. Garam was in the safety parlay. And then that fell apart. But, you know... He was still training for that, knowing what he was going up against. And like you said, Tiago Moises showed up when he fought um, the freaking champ. What the hell's his name? Makachev. Yeah. Yeah. It's say Islam. Who the hell says his last name? Islam. So he, um, he showed up in that fight. Yes, he lost, but he showed up and put on a decent performance against the now champion. So we know he takes those fights seriously. He was training for Garam. He got the gift of the century. I think he I think he blows through Costa here. I think we both agree. 9,000, though, it's tricky because if you're going to spend the 9,700 on Almeida, you know, your next expensive pick is going to be a tricky one, and you have to be very, very confident. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, based on what you said, though, if you're going the Lacerda route and you roster the main, the co-main, J. Alton Almeida, you could squeeze Tiago Moises in there and still have a little bit of wiggle room as well. Yeah, we have a couple of a couple of guys that should win at that nine something thousand price point. Um, you know, we'll talk about a few in a minute, but I do think I do think Moises wins this fight. I'm pretty confident. Obviously, I put actual money on it, so I will potentially try to squeeze him into my DraftKings lineup. You mentioned that one significant strike. I do think this is a less less play because I think he grapples instantly. I don't even think he's gonna waste his time on his feet. I agree. I was waiting for you to say that. I think that's less less as well. Yeah, so we're on the same side here. Before I do any of my own plugs, follow Kunith. He is here. He is helping me out. Jacob is sick, like actual sick, not dying sick, but like way too sick to be on camera and try to be entertaining. So he's taking the time off to get better, and I reached out to Kunith, and Kunith stepped up. He has his own channel, lots of great insight, as you can see. He like you know says like rude shit under his breath about us sometimes. That is what it is, but go ahead, at Kunith. MMA, the link is in the description. Go there. And tell him that we sent you so he can see the you know why they're there. It's not organic. Make sure he knows why you went there. Not, oh, yeah. I found you naturally. No, no, no. They sent me. Like when you go to the deli and you're like, oh, Joey sent me. Do that. So he, knows, he needs to know. You say mozzarella at the deli? I hate that shit. Did you hear me rant about that last week? <laughs> yeah, that's when you were talking about tournament as well. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah, exactly. I just, I just hate... Mozzarella. You just speak perfect, normal, regular person English, and then Brajute. yeah, bra, bra with, with a B, brajut. <laughs> it's like, come on, what are you doing? Like, you talk like a person. Stay talking like a person. Like, hello, can I please have? I'll do one pound of mortadella, um, a half a pound of a prajut. Like, shut up, dude. Shut up. I hate that. Nobody in the north, anybody outside the northeast, has no freaking clue what I'm even talking about. But yeah, like if you have a Waffle House in your state, you're probably like, "What are these dudes talking about?" I don't. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, there are zero Waffle Houses in Connecticut. Next up at UFC 283, we have another switcheroo fight. We have Gregory Rodriguez taking on short notice Bruno Fajeda. Gregory Rodriguez was supposed to fight Brad Tavares, and I thought he was a lock against Brad Tavares. I think this is a much tougher fight. This is a much more dangerous opponent than Brad Tavares is. Bruno Fajeda is 9-0 overall. He's 9-0 in his career, obviously. But all stoppage wins 
and he is making a short notice UFC debut. And he's taking on Gregory Rodriguez, 13 and 4 overall, 4 and 1 in his last five. That only loss in his last five was to Armin Petrosian. We know Gregory Rodriguez at this point, so let's talk about Bruno Fajeda real quick. He's a powerful striker. He's light on his feet. He's constantly mixing up his attacks. He bounces on his toes, and that really helps him come in and out of the pocket, manage that distance really, really well. He's got wild spinning attacks. He will throw with absolute power, but he's also patient. You assume he's reckless. He's not. He's patient. He will find his opening, and then he'll explode. And what I like about his record is it's not hollow. It's 9-0, but if you look at his record... His opponents got increasingly tougher, right? It was against like a one and one guy, three and four, 16 and five. Like it, it worked its way up. It's not like some of these other UFC debuts that are undefeated that, you know, Jacob broke down that dude last week that he was, you know, he fought a guy that was one in a hundred. That's not who Bruno Fajeda is fighting. So yeah, shout, shout out Jay Ellis. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> good for him. I think, I think I knocked out Jay Ellis a couple of times. <laughs> I yeah you you may have sneezed a little bit of hard in the grocery store dude fell over and there's a win. Gregor Rodriguez a beast. He but what's crazy about him is he's a jujitsu beast that doesn't use it. He comes out there very good striker so he wants to strike. He wants to bomb away and he can get himself into a little bit of trouble here and there. As we all know his face was split wide open oh, down yeah. to the bone in his last fight. They didn't stop it because it wasn't affecting his eyes. So they let it continue, and then he was able to get that win. The reason I think that cut matters, and I quoted Jacob here, uh, if you know Jacob's allergic to the sun, right? The earth, the earth doesn't want Jacob here so badly that it made the most important thing, the sun, it made him allergic to it. Like that's how it just, badly Earth it's is. It's just like, a 10-8 round every time he walks outside. Every, every time he has to wear one of those old lady sun hats. When he like walks he's out around. at the horse races. Gotcha. Exactly. Exactly. He's walking around Frisco, Texas, looking like he's at the Kentucky Derby with his dog. Anyway, he's allergic to the sun. So they had to cut off a chunk of his face, the sun allergy. And he got stitches on the inside. And I was, I was talking to him about it. I said, hey, what did they tell you? Like how long, whatever. And he said that the doctor told him it'll be three full months until the internal stitches dissolve. Greg Rodriguez is four months removed from that happening. And I don't know when he could have started training again. I don't know when he could, you know, because at first Jacob's like, they tell me I can't sweat. I can't, you know, there's a lot of things you can't do for a period of time, especially wear headgear, get punched, like, you know, wrestle with your head forward. So I don't necessarily think that thing is fully healed. Bruno Fajeda's stupid dangerous, stupid tough. He's definitely not the safer pick, but I do like him here. And I did a tiny little point to unit. Full transparency so units are hundred bucks. You're picking Bruno Ferreira. I am, but it's I I threw twenty bucks on the guy at plus two seventy. Gotcha. Because I think he can come out here and get it done. What do you think? I, and I know. Listen, I know how good Gregory Rodriguez is. I know yeah, how good he yeah. is. Yeah. I've I've watched episodes of Dr. Phil, Steve Wilkos, and Jerry Springer with people less crazy than you. Let me let me tell I mean, you why. Let me tell you why. Um, Bruno Ferreira, the records look good. His record looks good. The finishes look good. But if you go back and you watch the guys he was fighting, they're more experienced guys. But these guys are corner store clerks. Like they do, they don't look like they have any business 
being in the octagon and he's catching them with blast double legs coming from Timbuktu. He's taking like two full steps before he's making contact and he's a short stocky guy. He's built like he's built like, oh, a, like a tank. God, you could he's, say tank. He's built like a tank. Go ahead. I don't know. He's built like he's built like a, the Tasmanian devil. Right. And he keeps a high guard. He looks like Duran Wynn if Duran Wynn could make like 170 or something. But I, I, I don't Duran think Wynn beats Gregory Rodriguez, too. Go ahead. I think that Gregory Rodriguez knocks this dude out in the first round. I don't think that Bruno Ferrer is going to be able to stand with him. I don't think that cut really matters because I think Gregory Rodriguez comes off the couch and lays the this guy out based on what I saw on film versus that dog that that uh or as, as Jacob would say that dog that uh Gregory <laughs> Rodriguez has in him I think that Gregory Rodriguez packs this guy up I think he boxes him like a fish and my guy Brazilian Barack boxes uh, him like a fish uh, my fellow Brazilians I'm gonna <laughs> knock Bruno Ferreira out I think he fully <laughs> fully puts on all uh all types of beatings on Bruno Ferreira and closes him out inside the first round he's way bigger he's way longer he hits like a truck he's got heart for days and take away the armin petrazian loss i picked armin petrazian that night i was happy that he won but i also knew what i was looking at and that could have went either way i think that greg rodriguez is damn good and i think that he could uh he could really put the hurting on this guy this week tall ass one of the hardest ufc debuts that you've seen in the last what 18 months against Zara uh, Farron's UFC debut was Megan Anderson, but this is kind of tough, I guess. Sure. Uh, yeah, Megan, Megan Anderson, <laughs> Greg Rodriguez. <laughs> Listen, I, I don't disagree with I don't disagree with what first of all, what the hell's box of fish? What does that mean? Box like a fish. Oh, box like a fish. I thought you said a box of fish. So no. who the hell eats fish out of a box? Gordon right, the Gordon Fisherman. <laughs> yeah. Like, with, with fish sticks. Jacob loves Jacob goes to Long John Silver's but gets chicken strips makes no sense anyway and that's why the earth is like alright listen dude get the fuck out of here I can't wait till he's allergic to water and he finds that out anyway um, I don't disagree with anything you're saying Greg Rodriguez is obviously very very good I completely agree with everything you're saying that's why I just threw 20 bucks on Bruno Fajeda because he is dangerous as hell and I got him at plus 270. He's plus 246 now, which means some people are starting to agree. They're starting to see it. They see the value. Greg Rodriguez, quick turnaround. Not that quick, but quickish. Wild cut. And I don't care how good he is at jujitsu. He doesn't use it. He does not use it. This is going to be striker versus striker. And Bruno is a very dangerous striker. Far more dangerous than Brad Tavares was. Do you think this is a tougher fight than Brad Tavares or no? No. Oh, no, I think you and I see this two two completely different ways. <laughs> I, think, I think that Brad Tavares, like crazy good chin, very steady, throws things right down the middle, very technically sound, and could go toe to toe with Greg Rodriguez. Right, guys, guys that want to go in there and take his head off, like Julian Marquez. Right, Julian Marquez was billed as chin of steel, and he got folded like laundry. He got laid out like church clothes. It was bad news bears for him. But Gregory Rodriguez, Greg Rodriguez has been knocked out. He's not some iron-jawed cowboy. He was knocked out in the UFC. Yeah. Well, by a 170 pound, by a 170, it was contender series. Was a contender series with Jordan Williams. Jordan Williams, who is a 170, that is a 170 pounder. Yeah. Well, that that's also because he was rocking that tall guy defense. He was standing straight up, Jordan Williams. But I don't know, man. 
I don't know. I don't think that this guy has it. And Jordan Williams is longer and I would say more athletic uh, than this dude. So give me Greg Rodriguez, but I, I can see why you like the other guy. Yeah. And don't, don't, uh, I don't want people to think like, uh, I'm not, he's not your I'm lock not, of the week. Yeah. I'm not like out here yelling, screaming, this is crazy. No, these odds make complete sense to me. I totally get it. I just think Bruno's very dangerous. And I was like, you know what? 20 bucks at plus 270. I genuinely think he can win the fight. Where I completely disagree with doing that is if it was you. Like, you do not think Bruno wins this fight. But let's say he was a plus 400 and you're like, eh, I'll throw 20 bucks on it. It's possible. It's like, no, that's stupid. Because you don't think that. Why would you spend money on somebody you think loses? I think he wins. I'm only going to throw 20 bucks at it because the odds are crazy, plus 270. But I do have him in Knockout Kings. Frankly, you can have both of these guys in Monkey Knife Fight Knockout Kings. I think one of them does get knocked out. So you can go to weonpicks.com slash MKF, sign up, get the free money. Somebody mentioned, oh, it's not free. There's a rollover. No, it's not. It's Daily Fantasy. You give them 50 bucks, they'll give you 50. You give them 100, they give you 100. You you use that money one time and then it's yours. You can withdraw it, do whatever the hell you want with it. You just have to use it one time. So take the free money. You could throw both of these guys in your Knockout Kings entry with Jolton Almeida. 100% you will leave with more money than you started with. That's a guarantee. Because one of these dudes is going to get knocked out. I think we agree on that. Yeah, it's not going the distance. Sure. I got you. I can't. I, I hope his head fucking splits wide open. Yeah, Immediately. Yeah, right? You're like, Immediately. I told you so, Kuna. Told you. Um, so are you going to spend the $9,100 in DraftKings? 100%. Yeah. And I don't mean if you're playing 150 lineups, have 100% allocation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Things can always get dicey, right? They're four-ounce gloves, big dudes. But I do think that Greg Rodriguez is, uh, is going to be in a lot of my lineups. Strong play this week. Sure. And he's, he's yeah. going to be heavily owned, but yes. it might be worth it, man. If he goes out there and this guy shoots one of those sloppy takedowns, because we we don't see him grapple much. But think about when he fought Jung Young Park. Like he almost he. But Park Jung was Young piecing Park. him up. He was until he wasn't. So that <laughs> okay. <and> Jung, <laughs> Jung Young Your Park. two examples so far. Well, actually, I did the Jordan Williams example, but it's like, OK, Jordan Williams knocked him out. And then we're going to Jung Young Park who touched him up. Jung Young Park, he hip tossed him so far that Jung Young Park almost landed back on his feet. <laughs> right? He almost he almost went full 360. Sure. Right. <laughs> but no, I think listen. that I think that Greg Rodriguez gets it done. But I'm I'm happy that we're split on the pick, though. I like I like the banter here. This is nice. Sure. Well, speaking of our buddy Jacob, Jacob just posted a fresh bet for premium members. So if you're a premium member, your Discord, I just got an alert on my phone from the Discord. Jacob just placed the bet. So he's What's alive. No, I'm just kidding. Like it's, I'm a premium, it's a premium bet. <laughs> Dude, there, there are people now that we're, you know, we're almost at 10,000 um, subscribers and we got over a thousand premium members. There are people in the YouTube comment section now like, hey, can somebody just copy paste? What, what's the premium parlay or what's the safety parlay? So I just deleting those comments like crazy. Yeah. Like, if no, they if no you bootlegging. Have enough money to put on a parlay. You have enough money for a ten dollar premium membership. Let's be real. Hundred hundred percent agree with you. Obviously, and frankly, the um, it's the same logic of if you can't afford to tip your waitress a couple extra bucks, don't go out to eat. Like, what are you doing? Depending, don't on go what out to eat. Yeah, it's a cultural thing, but this is America, so that's how it works. Now. We don't need the tip. Uh, I went to Subway the other day because I'm, you know, I'm very fit. I eat my body is my temple. I got myself a lettuce sandwich 
with just lettuce and low carb bread. The lady at Subway turned the fucking thing. It's okay. like Subway. You're asking for a tip yeah. at Subway now. They, this they is turn, this is crazy. They turn the POS and then they're. It's just gonna ask you a few put questions. That, put that pressure on you, dude. I went to Jersey Mike's, so obviously I'm from Connecticut. I like a Sub-a-boat. good sandwich. I like I like a good sandwich. I have a sandwich named after me at at the most popular deli in Newtown, Connecticut. Check it out. It's literally oh. called. It's literally called the Angelo Sandwich. It's on Yelp. It's on their menu right now. You can look it up. It's there. It exists. It's delicious. It is literally named after me because I coached the owner's son in wrestling. Anyway, I know sandwiches. Jersey Mike's is pretty decent. I go. Yeah. I get I get the giant Italian, you know, low fat, everything. I get the giant Italian um, with a drink, water, of course, um, baked chips. And what do you think the total is? Uh, for a big sandwich, like twelve bucks. That total was like twenty three dollars, and then they turned the thing. And the tip thing, the tip thing starts at twenty percent. It's like twenty, it twenty five, thirty. Yeah, it's like what? And then point, like a little tiny. It's a little tiny cut. A little tiny button custom. What? This is ridiculous. I get it. You just made my sandwich, but like, you know, this was never a thing until this stupid clovers. Anyway, that's my rant. So yeah, you got to pay with cash. Got to go back to cash. It's, it's a dying breed, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, here you go. Oh, sorry. She she's just like, and I'm going to ask you a few questions. How much do you want me to keep for tip? Yeah. Next up at UFC 283, we have the featured prelim fight: the swan song for Mauricio Shogun Hua, and he is taking on Ihor Pateria. Shogun, who is 27 and 13 overall, he is 2 2 and 1 in his last five. Uh, surprisingly, not a you know 11 fight losing streak. Absolute legend. If you don't know who he is, watch his highlight reels. One of the most exciting guys you will ever see fight, ever. And he's taking on Ihor Pateria, 18 and 3. Talented guy. He's 4 and 1 in his last five. He is coming off that knockout loss to Nick Negamoreno. And here's the reality of it. Shogun Hua in his prime was obviously all juiced up. All those pride people were. But he was literally one of the best on planet Earth. He beat some of the biggest names that have ever existed in this sport. He did it well. He has incredible striking, good jujitsu. He can wrestle. The guy understands violence at a level that is just... He was Vanderlei Silva 2.0. He's old. He's 40 whatever the hell now. And he looks his age. He fights his age. He's slower. He's just a small percentage of what he used to be. He's fighting Ihor Pateria, who's a decent striker. He's got that loose style. He does have solid power. He is pretty accurate. But he can be hittable because he keeps his hands so low and he does rely on his chin. He's coming off back-to-back fights where he was completely outstruck. Mm -hmm. Completely outstruck. And, you know, that's the story of his career. He's going to get outstruck. He's never going to be the better striker, but he has enough power that he'll win the fight. And if he doesn't win the fight... He's going to get smoked because he's getting outstruck the whole time. Uh, this is a courtesy pick. I'm going to pick Shogun. It's out of respect. You should not be betting on Shogun. There should not be money involved. Frankly, it, it, literally, it's not very often that one of these people retires that you're like, that was an all-timer. Jose Aldo is one, obviously, but Mauricio Shogun Huga, I watched Pride. I watched all those fights like, you know, I wish they gave him a little bit of an easier fight, but this actually is a winnable fight. It's not absurd to think that Shogun could win this fight. 
But yeah. with that being said, I, he probably loses. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's not absurd to think that he wins, but 41 years old and a ripe 41. Like, yeah, he's used up. As ripe as it gets at 41 when it comes to like fighter years are like dog years. And we know he's he's basically a great Dane. But Shogun, I, I don't understand the matchmaking here. Like, yeah, I think he loses. I think Ihor Pateria knocks him out. You know Ike Villanueva would have picked up the phone. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. In Brazil. What well, do the guy a favor? In Brazil. He's a legend. Yeah, I don't I don't get it unless unless he said something slick to, to the matchmakers or something. Yeah, like, okay. We off. got some for you, Mauricio. But I, I don't know what what the theory behind matching him up with a and I talked about this on, on my on my video from earlier in the week, a twenty six year old, six foot three power striker coming off a loss to a guy in Nick Negamarianu who was young. Tough, That's the hell how you say that? <laughs> Nega Mariano. Yeah. Am I, do I say it wrong? Oh, I, no, no, no. I wasn't saying it. That's how you say it. That's not how I say it. And I'm definitely saying it wrong. And I watch all the tape. I just like zone out when they say their names. Yeah. yeah. I say Nega Moreno. Not even close. Yeah, he. Uh, that's what it's written like, but I've I've heard different. Who knows? I I say things wrong all the time. But anyway, like I I think that a lot of people are sour on Ehor Pateria. I think if he was making his debut, that he'd be a minus four hundred favorite, right? But the you're getting a good price on him this week. Uh, I know you pick show. You're picking Shogun, but out of respect, out of respect. I think I think you know that the writing's on the wall here. He probably gets knocked out. There's just really no redeeming factors to his game at this point. He's not going to wrestle. He's not going to throw a lot of strikes. He's not going to eat strikes well. He's not going to make this kid gas out, which seems to be his Achilles heel as it sure. stands right now. But I don't think he's going to push a pace to do that. I think he uh, he gets finished in his swan song, and MMA is just so unforgiving, right? It's just and They really don't do anybody any favors on their way no. out, especially like, you know, sometimes you don't know somebody's on their way out, right? You don't know. But like this, we're 100% positive. Yeah. This is his retirement. He has made it very clear, this is my retirement fight. So it's just, you know, it is kind of it is kind of uh, messed up what they're doing to him. And he's not necessarily a UFC legend. He was already a little old and used up when he got right. to the UFC, even though... Still a champ. You know, yeah, he still became a champ and, and did all those things. He's more of a pride legend than a UFC legend. But, you know, he became a champ. And then, unfortunately, his very first title defense was against a very young John Jones. And then that was the end of it. But... Mm -hmm. um, Anyway, like I, I, I agree with you. I actually have Ehor Pateria in my Monkey Knife Fight Knockout Kings. You only need one KO or TKO. He's one of the guys in there with Jolton Almeida. And uh, I actually have Br Bruno in there, but you don't have to if you don't like that. But So you only uh, need one guy? Is it like a three-person pick? And if one of them wins by knockout, like how does that work? It's So you pick any three people. They could be fighting each other. Any three. Mm -hmm. If one of them wins by KO or TKO... You 1.25 times your money. So 25% net return. You give them 100, they give you back 125. But you just need one out of three to win. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Then if you get two out of three, they you 2.25 times your money. Your three out of three is six. Don't do two or okay. three because you can just bet real money with a sports book. If you can pick two, you know, two guys to win by KO, do that on a sports book and parlay it, because that's essentially a parlay. Yeah, but um, I just do the one slow and steady every single week. You probably hit just, that a lot. I literally can't remember the last time we missed. Like Ooh. it's just because you can always look at a card and be like, "Here's the three most likely people win to a KO or TKO, and one of them will." Yeah. 
So, anyway, uh, we on picks.com slash MKF if you want to go ahead and get your free deposit match there. So, you're going to spend the $8,900? Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think in some lineups it's, it's worthy uh, of the price, but not one of the spots I'm dying to get to. Like, we've talked about you know, half the card at this point, maybe more than half the card. There's a lot of different spots that I would prefer to get the, to than Ihor Pateria. But I think if he wins in the first round, he's probably, he, he there's a good chance he's optimal. But again, 15 fights, you're going to need a high score and you're going to need to hit the six right sure. buttons. And it, it might not be, it might not be as simple as because this guy won in the first round, he's on the optimal lineup. So just something to consider. Yeah, well, and it's funny because he's 8,900. Who did we just break down that was 9,000? Oh, Gregory Rodriguez. Yeah, 9,100 for, for RoboCop. Yeah. You trust that 9,100 over this 89 to get a $200 savings. You still think there's a stoppage here. And he has the less dangerous opponent. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think he has a harder matchup, though. Who does? Ehor? Yeah. Yeah, I disagree, but... Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's fine. Um, Monkey Knife, I strike line. Don't even worry about it. Just do Knockout Kings, and you will be just fine. Next up, at UFC 283, we have the main card opener. We have Paul Jiu-Jitsu Nerd Craig taking on Johnny Walker. Paul Craig, 16-5 and five overall, 4-1 and one in his last five years, coming off that loss to Vulcan Ozdemir, and he's taking on Johnny Walker very inconsistent, but incredibly talented. He's 19 and seven overall, two and three in his last five. And he's coming off that submission win over Jan Kutalaba. I'm all over Johnny Walker here. I actually have bet both sides. I have a two unit money line bet on Johnny Walker at minus 170. And that line has obviously moved. And then I have a quarter of a unit wins inside the distance, decision, no action on Paul Craig. And I get it. It's it's obviously the only way I win both bets is if Johnny Walker wins a decision. I fully recognize Johnny Walker doesn't win decisions, right? That's not what he does. But two units at minus 170, if he puts Paul Craig away, I'm still going to make some money. But if Paul Craig somehow pulls something off, I can plus 200 my money. And I, But I do think Johnny Walker could potentially win a decision here because Paul Craig is very tough. I know he's been finished before. But he is very, very tough, and he may just look like a desperate nerd on his back begging to grapple while Johnny Walker doesn't really engage. So I love Johnny Walker in this spot. He is a little, um, you can't necessarily trust him all the time, but not because he's making terrible decisions, but just because he just doesn't look himself sometimes or his chin will give out. He moved to SBG Ireland with Conor McGregor's coach, and they like ruined him. Because they try, they like tried to take away his crazy, but it's like the crazy is why he's had the success he's had. Keep the crazy and add a little more to it. They tried to like make him super technical, and then he like doesn't know what he is, and he's thinking too much. But yeah, he looked great I, I in his like last that. fight. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that uh, Paul Craig is one of my favorite fighters of all time. I love the Bear Jew, but I think he gets knocked out this week. I look at this fight kind of like the Nikita Krylov fight. Nikita Krylov is postured up and at one point standing up in Paul Craig's guard, landing bombs. But what <laughs> happens when you sit in Paul Craig's guard? Ask him. Ask Magomed Ankalaev. You could ask Jamal Hill. What happens when you sit around there for too long? You get finished. 
Johnny Walker has more power than all of those guys. Johnny Walker has that touch of death. And I think that if he is able to land, even even if he doesn't land cleanly, like even if it's a situation where Paul Craig is trying to take him down up against the fence and he's landing short shots or elbows, I think he's going to knock him clean out. Um, if you go back to the other page, I think the the salaries are off for DraftKings. Yeah, they're Oscar, backwards. Grab me some water. Thank you. Um, I, I think that the salaries are off for uh, DraftKings, but I think that Johnny Walker is a really strong play. I think he's 8,800 uh, this week, if I'm not mistaken. Think oh, so I don't even have it switched. It's completely wrong. You, you know what, man? Don't don't show up here pointing out my mistakes. Hey, it was okay. it was pointed out in the chat before I, I got the chance. Eighty seven hundred. <laughs> so see, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Eighty seven hundred. Thank you, Kenny. Um, but no, I think that Johnny Walker wins. The issue with Johnny Walker though is his brain is the same size as my cat's brain, right? Yeah. Like he he does <laughs> dumb shit, and that could get him in trouble. And Paul Craig is some guy who is super tricky, right? If Paul Craig lays on his back. And you think, oh, you know what? I got a good position. Let me take this good position. It could end up being a not so good position very, very quickly. So, and Johnny Walker, <laughs> he could he could trip over his own feet. I said that in my video. He could trip over his own feet and, yeah, and yeah. mess something up. So banana peel situation here for Johnny Walker, but huge for the division, huge in general, big power, much better striker, way more athletic, way faster, and should knock out Paul Craig probably in the first round. Um, but like you said, he's tough. He could hang on, but I don't know if he goes 15 minutes with Johnny Walker here, unless he's just super gun shy, like he's been in some of his past fights. Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, like I said, I've got the two bets. It's really a hedge and I should be good either way. The only way I like legit lose it all is if somehow Paul Craig wins a decision, which is the literally the least likely outcome in general. Like, yeah, no, just... it doesn't happen. I don't think that happens, especially like if they're if they do go the distance. Johnny Walker's winning rounds because when he's landed on Paul Craig, Paul Craig's you know outside, yeah, of, yeah. outside of a Valvoline, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. He's he's yeah. all over the place. So I think that Johnny Walker will be just fine. Outside of a Valvoline, it's a pretty solid. That's a solid analogy. I wonder how many of these people got it. I did because I'm very smart. Very smart. Yeah. Um, his takedown accuracy is only twenty percent, and I hate that. That's the definition of a jujitsu nerd. Your 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 path to victory is on the ground, and you can't get it there. I just will never. That will never make sense to me. How now, can you be so good on the ground and have no idea how to get it there? Do you know? I don't know if he's credited with takedowns when he pulls guard. Do you know if the UFC counts that? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know either, but that's pathetic as hell. Well, shouldn't with Jacob they should not being your here. With Jacob not being here, I got to do the man some justice. Like he's not like Ryan Hall, where he can you know, <laughs> roll into something and grab up a heel hook. He's he's gonna try to grab him, pull guard, and and it's just not gonna work out for him. No, it's it's there's nothing more pathetic looking than we we just watched what's his name butt scoot all over the place. Um, Audio boy, yes. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Because this that was gonna get awkward if you didn't know. Because I'm gonna be like, no, the guy, and he fought the Australian. Yeah, come on. So I'm glad you got that so quickly. But, I mean, that's just always so pathetic. You're professional fighters. Yeah, that was bad. That was bad. He was he was defeated. Yeah, like learn. Okay, you're getting pieced up. You know how to get it to the ground. And you should I at least. Pick him to win. <laughs> yeah, Jacob loved him to win too. And I get it. Like he's super dangerous. And, uh, you know, what's his name? Didn't look great lately, but 
Yeah, what, what a what a fucking performance that was. Anyway, you and I are both all over Johnny Walker. I got the two units at minus one seventy. He has now moved up to minus one ninety. He obviously he's a he's a nervous bet because you just you're not always positive what you're gonna get. But when I do a lot of my money line bets, I also look at the opponent. And I just, I get it. Paul Craig had that nice streak and he has got all these come from behind victories. But to me, come from behind victories are losses. It shows me you're tough. So I'll count on the toughness. But you were losing 14 minutes of a 15 minute fight. It's like when Chael Sonnen lost to Anderson Silva the first time. And in the interview, he, exactly. Because he in that, in that interview, it was a 15 minute fight sorry, 25 minute fight. He got submitted at like 24 minutes and 30 seconds. And he was like, you know, his stupid accent, Jacob does it. Like I was on the understand. I won four rounds. I won four not, rounds and he bad. won one. So, and you know, it's, it's literally like that. Like, you know, Paul Craig's going to get the shit beat out of him and then pull off a submission against Ankaliyev. You really, he's not better than Ankaliyev. That's a loss. That's all yeah, you got that. lucky at the last minute. I cannot look at that and be like, he could win whenever he wants. Like, no, he can't. Yeah, I mean, this this is a dude who has wins over Kennedy and Zedjaku, Magomed Ankalaev, and Jamal Hill, but hasn't come close to the title. There's a reason for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he wasn't beating any of them until he did. He no. was losing to them and then pulled it off. So, anyway, so we're both on the same side, Johnny Walker. $6,800 is a phenomenal price yeah, for Johnny yeah, Walker. Hammer it, hammer it. <laughs> so, he's actually 8700 Is he worth that $8,700? Yeah, I'd say yeah. so. Inside yeah, I, first round. I mean, when Johnny Walker, think about when he came into the UFC. People were saying, John Jones, run for your life. Yeah, yeah, Jones, yeah. Which is crazy. Absolutely crazy. But – that's how people were feeling because of what he was doing. And if he can get back to that, like I want the Johnny Walker who might hurt himself doing the worm after, after, sure. the win. you know, the I dangerous want that fun Johnny one. Walker. not the Johnny Walker that thinks that he can, you know, stand at range with Jamal Hill. I want the guy who's going to throw a spinning back fist, elbows in tight, flying knee, just craziness. And like you said, don't like take the, take the governor off, take the, the kid gloves off, just go for it. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I I, com I completely agree with you that honestly that SPG Ireland ruined him, but hopefully he's uh, starting to find his own rhythm and and see himself again and not fall into whatever weird trap he's fallen into with them trying to make him technical. So we're both on the Johnny. Who's the best fighter out of SPG Ireland that's not named Conor McGregor? Yeah, I don't know. With Artem, like I don't know who else Artem. is even in that shit. Like, <laughs> like I don't know. <laughs> Artem beating Polly Malinaji in BKFC, insane. Was chef's kiss. That, insane. That was such Absolutely a win for insane. the MMA guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I know because he's such trash yeah. and somehow pulled that off. Because Polly Malinaji is a decent boxer. He's not like a nobody. Yeah. So yeah, absolute trash for sure. Um, so we're on the same side. I'm not going to talk to Monkey Knife Fight Strike Line because it could be anything. It could literally be anything. So we'll go ahead and leave that alone. Um, but if you want to become a premium member, wewantpicks.com. At the top, click become a member. You would have seen that two-unit Johnny Walker bet at minus 170. Yes, it's only minus 190 now. But that 20 points, depending on what a unit is for you, that could be two months of premium membership. So weonpicks.com at the top, click become a member. It is only $10 a month. It gets you all the bets, all the picks, all the DraftKings plays, the FanDuel plays, the prize picks, the monkey knife fight, the underdog fantasy, 
ownership, all of that, and you will get alerts to your phone the very second we do everything. While we were filming, Jakey Boy is on the mend and literally posted a bet. So, sorry, I was reading a text as I was getting through that spiel. But anyway, we on picks.com. Click become a member. Next up at UFC 283, we have a very interesting fight. We have Lauren, and people hate this fight. I don't know why. I like it. We got Lauren Murphy taking on Jessica Andrade. Lauren Murphy, 16-5 and five overall. 4-1 in her last five. She's coming off the dominant win over Misha Tate. She's absolutely beat the brakes off of Misha Tate. Jessica Andrade, 23-9 and nine overall. 3-2 and two in her last five. But she's coming off that standing submission win over Amanda Lamoche. Trash. And what's... The win is trash or a man is yeah. trash? That was such that was such garbage. I, the there's win? a reason why that was the only standing arm triangle ever <laughs> recorded in the UFC. As soon as she started to cinch it up, Lamosh just stopped moving. I was so annoyed. And she's only I, five I had one. Lamosh that day. <laughs> I'm sure and she's only five one. Yeah. But what's interesting about this is bully versus bully. They have the exact same fighting style. They just push people around. They rely on their strength and their determination and their will. Lauren Murphy is by far the less talented, the less athletic, but I think she's the tougher. I think she's the more determined. I think she's the tougher. I think she's the one that will come forward no matter what she's getting hit with. Jessica Andrade, I don't know if she's stronger because let's keep in mind Jessica Andrade is a 115er, right? And she comes up and and messes around at 125. And yes, she was a champion, has fought for titles and she's incredibly talented and continues to beat people that we don't think she should beat or can beat. And she's at the top of this heap for a reason. Jessica Andrade should win this fight. She's my pick to win this fight. But minus 460 is really wide because it's not crazy for Lauren Murphy to be much larger, which she is, four inches taller. I I, I hate reach. I hate when people use reach as a reason for somebody to win. But you don't like reach. I just, not arounds. But I'm just not a fan of like people going, oh, four inch reach advantage, so that person wins. It's like, do they even know how to use it? It's, it's. I actually heard a statistic. Uh, I want to say like two years ago that when a fighter has a reach advantage greater than I think seven and a half inches, they win like around seventy plus percent of the time or something like that. So when it's a huge reach advantage, huge, I, I get, worth, yeah. But four inches, three inches, five inches, not enough. No, 100%. The, um, you know, Lauren Murphy, again, I think Jessica Andrade wins this fight. But Lauren Murphy can come forward, be a bully, just literally push Jessica around, hold her down. And it's a crazy comparison to say Shevchenko because she's the best, right? But if Jessica Andrade can't bully you, she's got nothing. She's not technical. She's got nothing to offer. If you start pushing her around, she doesn't have an answer. So Andrade is the pick, but I'm staying very far away from this fight. What do you think? I, I think that Jessica Andrade wins this fight. I think there's a good chance she, she finishes Lauren Murphy as well. Because Lauren Murphy, like you said, she relies on that strength, that durability. 39 years old. Like, she got into MMA late. So it's not a whole lot of technique that she's relying on. And sure. Andrade has seen Rose Namajunas, Wei Li Zhang, Valentina Shevchenko, even Caitlin Chukagian, right? Caitlin Chukagian versus Lauren Murphy. Who wins that fight? At 10 times at, if they fought sure. 10 times it's hard to say sure. um but i think that and she's a lot younger still even even after having this rich world-class it's crazy that she's only career. 31 yeah exactly um 
I think at 125, she'll be just fine, right? I think she's she's fought at the division. She's done well. I think that she beats up Lauren Murphy here by just beating her to the punch, landing a lot heavier. And Lauren Murphy's really not going to have much to offer her. And I don't think she's going to be able to take her down. Uh, she might be able to muscle her up against the fence. But you got to think, too, She's she is going to be a lot shorter, right? She might be able to slip out of there. Uh, get regain the center of the octagon. Literally grab her legs. Like, she's a bully, but she can grab legs for a takedown as well. So, yeah, she can literally lower legs right there. Exactly. And lift her straight up, put yeah. her down. Rose Namajunas spiked her on her head, right? So, I know that Rose Namajunas is a lot lighter in the ass than Lauren Murphy, but <laughs> I think that she's going to be able to do whatever she wants in this fight. I think Lauren Murphy's too stiff, too slow, got into the game too late, and she's not going to be able to compete at the upper echelon. Like we saw Valentina Shevchenko blank her. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. And then what's funny is then she smoked Misha Tate, but like Misha Tate's a very one-dimensional, can it's get a takedown or can't. That's not like Misha Tate yeah. anymore, though. Yeah. You know? I wasn't she the did Misha win... Tate that choked out Holly Holm. She did win Big Brother, though. I'm a big, big brother fan. And Misha Tate ran through big brother. Really? She won every, oh my God. She, people like enjoyed her. So her social game was solid and she dominated all of the games. Like, you know, have mm. you ever watched big brother? I've never seen an episode. I know what it is, but I've never seen it. It's very it. fun. Yeah. It's, it's legit. A very fun. Um, it's a very fun. My wife is like texting me, like, knowing I'm live. I'm going to put my phone down. Um, it's a very fun show. Angela, anyway, house is on fire. Oh, I'm live. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Just put a Band-Aid on it. She'll be fine. Um, yeah, I, I don't... Uh, I'm not going to argue with you. Like, I... Because I, um, I don't argue with people below me. No. Because I, I don't necessarily disagree with what... I don't disagree with what you're saying. I just... Lauren Murphy is big and strong and could potentially... Bully. I'm not saying Lauren wins. I'm not throwing 20 bucks at plus 360. I'm not doing anything like that. Do you think it goes the distance? I do. I do. It's 15 minutes. Jessica Andrade, yes, we know she's a finisher. But Lauren Murphy's super tough. And if Lauren gets into Jessica's face, then she may be backing up. And then, you know, it's it's a little different than Amanda. Amanda was trying not to let Jessica touch her, right? She was trying to stay on the outside, touch her, stay out of range. Lauren Murphy's going to come as close as possible and try to like get her paws on her and try to push her around. And I think that only sort of helps prevent a finish. So I think it does go to a decision. Isn't that, aren't the odds like minus something huge to go to a decision? Maybe I'm wrong. I'm not oh, sure. Well. Yeah, I don't have it in front of me. Uh, you're going to spend the $9,400 on Jessica Andrade? No, can't do that can't do that no so much faster and stronger and upper a hall of fame career are you you gonna do that every time every (laughs) single time that you don't pick somebody you think wins to go at DraftKings, 100 percent it's the easiest thing to do (laughs) easiest thing to do (laughs) um anything else to add before oh monkey knife i strike line i think it's uh oh it's a tough line less I, i agree i think it's a less less I agree because I think they're literally just pushing each other. I think a giant time. Yeah, this fight might suck. It might be a lot of who's holding who against the cha- the cage. Oh, I have my underhook. Now it's my turn. I have my under. You know, it might just be that, just yeah. literally pushing and, each other. And you got to think too, Andrade, low center of gravity, very powerful. She's going to be able to get head position easily and control her on the fence. And she might just want to live there. You just spend a yeah. couple minutes there. I, I get that. 
Yeah, so I do like the uh, the over on the round line and the less less with Monkey Knife Fight. If you want to give that a shot, go to weonpicks.com slash MKF and they will instantly match your deposit. Take the free money, throw it, you miss. Who gives a shit? It was free. If you win, you have even more free money than you had yesterday. Next up at UFC 283, we have the feature fight of the evening. We have Gilbert Burns taking on Neil Magny. This is another, I might just be too conservative, but this is another fight where I think the odds are a little like, okay, like I get it. I understand it. I think they're wide. Yeah. So Gilbert Burns is 20 and five overall. He's three and two in his last five. He is coming off that close loss to Shemaev. We'll talk about that in a second. He's taking on Neil Magny, 27 and nine, three and two in his last five. He's coming off that really fun win over Daniel Rodriguez. Style-wise, Gilbert Burns, as we know, is a very good grappler who has insane power in his hands, but he is a lightweight. And he's coming into his body. He doesn't always look like super small at welterweight, but he was a lightweight for the majority of his career. Came up, took the power with him. He dropped Usman. Dropped Usman. Has some very real power, and he just hung in there with Shemaev. Neil Magny, long, lanky, literally good everywhere, great nowhere, and he's a tough outing for almost everybody. Like, he's a very frustrating... If you're the UFC, Neil Magny's probably one of the most frustrating guys on the roster because he can ruin your plans or... Like, he can ruin your plans by losing or winning because you just don't know what you're going to get. But um, I do think Gilbert Burns wins this fight, but this is a much closer fight. Neil Magny is long, tough. He can he can just piece up Gilbert, stay on the outside. Like, Gilbert had a close fight with Shemaev, because Shemaev was literally like toying with him. Wasn't even attempting to wrestle, to smash. If Shemaev went out there with Gilbert the same way that he did against Nate Diaz, it would have been done. Or not Nate Diaz. Uh, who did he just murder? It was, Gilbert uh, Burns? Gil- no, uh, Shemaev. Oh, uh, Kevin Holland. Yes. If he came out with Gilbert, if he fought Gilbert the way that he just fought Kevin, we would not be talking about Gilbert Burns is so we lost Kunith. We would not be talking about Gilbert Burns and how tough he is and his power and all of those things. So I do think Gilbert Burns wins this fight. I think his last fight against Shemaev probably is inflating this line a little bit more than it should be. But Gilbert's going to go ahead and be the pick. It's definitely a closer fight then um, other people have it. What do you think? Can you hear me? Yeah, you're good. Okay, because my whole thing just cut out for a second. Um, yeah, I think that this line is way too wide. Let me ask you this, Angelo. What's your favorite? What's your favorite thing to eat? I mean, this feels like a setup. Uh, sandwiches. You know what Gilbert Burns' favorite thing to eat is? Jabs, oh. <laughs> jabs, jabs, and jabs. <laughs> I here I was. I'm used to Jacob. I'm like, how is he gonna call me fat? Yeah. And then it was, and then it was a, a Gilbert Burns. So jabs all day. Like Gilbert Burns cannot stop a jab. Neil Magny is tall, crazy long, way longer. What's the reach advantage? Of, I'm not seeing it on my screen, but it's it's pretty. It's 71 to 80, so it's a uh, nine inch reach advantage for nine inch. And you said advantage. 70 something percent of the time, over seven inches. Egg. Exactly right. I don't know if Gilbert Burns is going to be able to close distance and grapple. And I think that him on top in dominant position is where he wins this fight. We saw Shavkat Rachmanov just wipe Neil Magny in the grappling department. 
But I don't like this notion that we're going to see uh, Gilbert Burns just bomb on him and knock him out. And I think a lot of people are thinking that. I haven't seen anybody's stock rise with a loss more than oh. Gilbert Burns. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't understand. I know it was a close fight. I know some people could say, hey, you know, it, it could go either way. But like you said, if Hamza Tremaya fought even half of a good game plan, he would have smoked Gilbert Burns. He fought Gilbert Burns the only way that Burns could have kept that fight competitive. Neil Magny, good gym, great experience, taller, workhorse, longer, good jabs, good footwork, is going to be able to control him against the fence. I think that Gilbert Burns has a chance of winning this fight, uh, probably a better chance than Neil Magny has, but that line is way too wide. And from a straight betting perspective, I don't see how you don't put something on Neil Magny here. I I, uh, I agree. I, yeah, obviously, we both are picking Gilbert Burns to win. We think it's closer than a lot of others have it. Um, this could be a Vicente Luque situation, right? Vicente Luque in his last fight against, was it Jeff Neal? Dude, somebody just said I have the memory of a goldfish, and I absolutely do. Who just smoked Jeff, him? It was, yeah, Jeff, Jeff Neal. Neal kicked yeah, Vicente yeah. Luque's ass, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And this could be that where Vicente Luque, riding high, had those wins, like literally, you know, was one of the... Rising stars should get a title fight. Then he was outgrappled by Bilal. But okay, that's not how Jeff Neal fights. And then Jeff Neal puts him out. It could be a similar situation where it's like, okay, Gilbert Burns has beaten who he's supposed to beat. He lost to Shemaev, who's now an 85-pounder. And it was a close fight. And he actually landed more significant strikes. And then he can come out here and just get pieced up by a journeyman. I do think Burns wins this fight, but very wide odds. And I, I trust Jessica Andrade more than Gilbert Burns, per se. But um, he should win. He's the more talented fighter everywhere. He's He hits harder. He's the better grappler. Should be the better wrestler. But I don't think he strings it together as well as Neil does. Neil strings it all together very, very well. And he's got no quit in him. Just that that his last win, he looked great. He looked great to pull that off. You know, the way he was able to get that done late. So mm -hmm. you're not going to spend the $9,300 in DraftKings, I'm guessing. Not on Gilbert Burns. I think this fight goes the distance. I don't think that he breaks 80 DraftKings points. I, I, maybe maybe over 80, but no more than 90. It's funny because uh, Josh and I, Josh, um, there's actually two Joshes that work with We Want Picks, but one of them, uh, we were talking about the, you know, your, the core plays. So in premium, we do the biggest favorite, biggest fade, whatever. Then we do a short for your four core plays for drafting, all that stuff. And Gilbert was like, we were like, man, is he a fade? Because he's expensive and he does not score well, even when he wins. Like, and we were going back and forth. What do you do with Gilbert Burns? Cause this is a really, really tough price point for somebody that doesn't traditionally score very well. So I, people think, think he's going to murder Magni and I don't see a murder here. I do think I expect him to go over owned just because of the name and the yeah. odds and the price tag. I'm, I'm not going to play him. Yeah, no, it makes, um, I hear you. It makes sense. Easy. E just said a quarter of a unit on Squidward or should I bet big on inside the distance decision? No action on Burns. You know what the inside the distance decision no action line is going to be on him? It's going to be insane. Don't ever go near. You should never be betting anything more than straight up. More than even 450 is getting a little dicey straight up. If you want to parlay a couple, fine. But yeah, no, don't touch. There should not be betting on the burn side here. 
Although we do both think that he wins. Monkey Knight fight strike line 66 to 48. I think it's a more and more. I think this is a decision. I think it's a bit sloppy at points. I think Gilbert does work in some wrestling to try to, you know, get back some of the losing minutes from the jab in his face. And then he'll be busy on top. So I do like more and more Monkey Knight fight. What do you think? No? I think more and more is good. I gotcha. So what the hell were you just laughing at? Some guys in the comments said, uh, where's MMA guru? <laughs> oh, gotcha. People in the comments are going to answer. You're not paying them enough attention, Angelo. I saw. Is this pre-recorded? Is this pre-recorded? But what, like, what, what <laughs> did you? Is, what, if it was. Yeah, it does that matter. And what did you say that deserved like a response? I assumed you guys are talking to each other. Anyway, next up. At UFC 283, we have the co-main event in um, co-main event, and for the first time in history, we have two guys fighting each other for a fourth time. This didn't even happen in the tournament days when multiple people would enter tournaments over and over and over, and potentially could have fought each other four times. Right? First time ever. Let's recap. We got Davis and Figueredo, 21 and two overall, three one and one in his last five. He's coming off the win over his opponent, Brandon Moreno, who's 20 and six. Also 3-1-1 one, one in his last five, and he's coming off the win over Kai Car France. As we recap the first three fights, the first one was a draw. Davison Figueredo, in my opinion, won that fight. They took a point away. Loses the point. Mm -hmm. I, and, and so it's a draw. I still think he won without the point, but fine. He won that fight, right? They took a point away, but he won that fight. Second fight, Figueredo comes out, looks like a shell of himself, is worked, and submitted. And then the last fight, the scorecards had it close. It was 48-47. So Figgy won by one round. But I thought Figgy, like, he had three knockdowns. Three. Two takedowns. Yeah, three knockdowns. Like, I, I just... The pick is Figgy. The line movement is a little bit strange to me. I think Figueredo is just clearly the much better fighter who has won this fight two times already. And I don't know why people are thinking it's close the third time. I don't get it. And the money is coming in on Brandon Moreno. Yeah. People people love Brandon Moreno here. And so do I. I think oh, Brandon Jesus Moreno wins Christ. <laughs> I think Brandon Moreno wins this fight, man. I really do. Um, I think that Brandon Moreno's biggest issue is how long it's taking him to get comfortable in these fights. But I've talked about it on my channel all the time. Once he starts this... Once he gets this yeah, going, that's stupid. He starts he, he, he starts pouring it on. And I think that Davidson Figueredo, he's I talked about this on my channel. He's getting older, right? Time is on Brandon Moreno's side. Davidson Figueredo, 35 years old, 5'5, jacked for 125 pounds. Not an easy weight cut for him at all. And the only person that he's seen in the last three years is Brandon Moreno. At least Moreno got new competition with Kai Car France last time out. And then he folded him with a body kick. And if he But he didn't look David, good. He didn't look good. But if he lands a body kick like he did against Car uh, France against Figueredo, if he starts pumping that out, Figueredo's not going to look good in the fourth and fifth round. I think what Brandon Moreno has to do is just not stand in the pocket for as long as he did, keep pumping the jab out, and just overwhelm him, pressure him, and, and just beat him with volume. I don't think that Figueredo is going to be able to keep up with him. I honestly think we see second fight type of Figueredo uh, this time out. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I... 
I understand where you're coming from. I get the logic of, you know, things are changing. He's getting older. He's slowing down. I get all of that. I just feel like he's already won this fight twice. He's the better fighter. I, and he's winning it by, obviously, he lost the middle fight. But he didn't even look like himself in that. Right. I think we can eliminate that fight, right? I don't think, that just didn't look like him. It's not like he went out there, fought his ass off, and lost. Well, then that's very that matters very much. He just, all week, he looked weird, was acting weird, whatever. So I think we've seen Davis and Figueredo win this fight twice already by a wider margin, dropped Brandon Moreno three times, and Brandon Moreno is now dealing with a new team, new coach. Are you not putting any weight on that whatsoever? Like you don't I think do it think matters? I do think it's tough for him to be moving around. Goes to Glory, right? Or I, they might have changed yeah. the name. Um, and then James Krause. It's a fraud, right? He's, yeah. and, he, and then he has to change gyms once again. But I think he's under Safe Saud now, right? So if there's any he's place at... to want him to Sorry, land, yeah. it's probably there, right? So I don't know. I think that if these guys are both at the peak of their abilities, then Davis and Figueredo probably wins. But I I don't know. They've fought three times now. And it's just been a long time. I feel like Brandon Moreno at this point, if he's peaking and we see Davis and Figueredo come with anything less than his best, I think that Brandon Moreno ends up winning this fight. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I get that it's a close fight for sure. I, I actually, I think Fortis MMA is very... That's why I mentioned earlier, Damon Jackson having one of the worst game plans in history. Not even attempting to wrestle Dan Egate. Like, I, I just, I know they've got a great team. They've got a lot of very good fighters. And they're, they're very streaky, right? They'll win a couple in a row. They'll, they'll lose a couple in a row. They're a very streaky team. I, I don't necessarily think, like, who has gone there and then immediately gotten better? Because Figueredo... Uh, going to Cejudo, we have seen Cejudo immediately improve people. Immediately, look what he monster. did to Wei Li. Yeah, no, instantly. He, he uh, that's got to be the hottest <clears throat> gym right now, right? Even John Jones is talking about going. John Jones is there. Look what Wei Li. Wei Li went there, came out much better immediately. Yeah. And you Wei know, Lee went went down there and started picking up Francis and Ganu. Like, yeah, yeah, going on there. So I th we're definitely split here. Um, I totally get like Brandon Moreno's very good, very tough, talented. You're right. He's younger. He's getting dropped way too much for a 29 year old at this weight class. At 125 pounds, you should not be getting dropped the amount of times that he's getting dropped. But um, I see where you're coming from. I like Figgy, but I think we both agree you got to play one of the sides here in DraftKings. One of the sides definitely shows up on the winning lineup, given the price. I don't, I don't know if the ceiling's all that high uh, for either side, just because I expect this fight to go the distance. But yeah. I do think that you're going to need one of them because of where the price is at, despite what the score is. Sure. And then here's a little bit of context we didn't have. Maybe you knew this, I didn't. But I guess Figueroa's father died right before that second fight, which Ooh. is why he was just not himself. I didn't know that. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. But. All right, we'll throw it out there. Um, so I think we're 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 split on the pick, but we're aligned on the logic with DraftKings. I'm not touching Monkey Knife Fight. I hate when we get lines over a hundred. That's high because that it is hot. And honestly, they, I think they've gone over that in two of the three fights. But like, you know, now I I can I can root for or count on or predict 
15 minutes. 25 is a whole nother game. Like that's yeah. a, it's a whole nother game. Obviously and, it's 10 more minutes. And these guys, I mean, this is, this is it, right? Unless there's something crazy happens, one of them is going to get their hand raised and this, this is going to be done. Final chat. It's gotta be. If it's so a draw, guys, Jesus Christ, because they're yeah, both the, champs. It can't I, end I on a draw. Somewhere that they uh that there's gonna be a no contest, so they have all of them, right? All yeah, four yeah, out. exactly. Yeah. Um no, but I, I think that we could have a situation where these guys don't don't go at it like cats in an alley, like they have in the past. Maybe they take a more measured approach because so much is on the line this time. Like this is the last time. So maybe they sure. come out a little bit more measured and they go under those high strike totals, but with 25 minutes to work with these guys output and their history uh, so tricky for you to call that monkey knife fight line. Yep. No, I get it. Um, I, I'm not going to touch that monkey knife fight strike line, but if you do want to check out our bets, we have quite a few bets on this fight. Go to weonpicks.com, Click become a member. It's only $10 a month, $2 and 50 cents a week. And you have access to all the bets, the picks, the fantasy plays, the DraftKings optimizer, which will help you build winning lineups. It's preloaded with projection data, you click a few buttons, you can build one lineup. You can build 150. Weonpicks.com, click become a member. Then we have the main event of the evening. We got Glover Teixeira working for his belt again, taking on Jamal Hill. As we all know, there's a little bit of a switcheroo here. Glover was supposed to do the rematch um, with, uh, what the hell's his name? Oh my God. Yuri Prohaska, you go. Yeah, yeah Prohaska. It, it is crazy. As soon as they said, I'm like that dude from. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not remember. Not, not, not right. remember. Not remember. This isn't helping. From 51st Dates. I'm like the dude from 51st Dates. It's just like. Anyway. No, wasn't it the guy in the. No, 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 no. It's Drew Barrymore. Yes, but then they go to the brain nut house. And they meet that guy who literally has a 10-second memory. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Nah, okay. See? It's not that bad. Anyway, we got Glover Teixeira taking on Jamal Hill. Glover is supposed to fight Yuri Prohachka. How anybody can forget that is beyond me. Yuri's done the worst shoulder injury that's ever existed. And now we have Jamal Hill. I don't want to necessarily call it short notice because it's been like four weeks, three weeks, something like that. Four weeks, I think. Enough time. Time. Yeah, so it's not it's not short notice per se, but it's not a full camp. It's not a full it's six also, week camp for a title fight. I don't know though because he was getting ready for Anthony Smith right around this date. So maybe I thought Anthony he... Smith was March, but I could be wrong. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> I yeah, I might I, I, I might be wrong there, I but it was next, uh, next month. I could be wrong. I thought it was March. Either way, like it's short notice, but I, I don't that, I don't think that's a factor at all. Uh, Glover Teixeira, thirty three and eight. He's 4-1 in his last five. His only loss in that five was that last-second submission loss to Jiri. If you remember, he was dominating Jiri Prohachka, having success striking, having success grappling. He was winning that fight. He was literally 30 seconds away from maintaining his belt or retaining his belt. couple of uh, scramble decisions literally cost him that entire— and he was exhausted. Cost him that fight. Taking on Jamal Hill, 11-1 overall. 4-1 and one in his last five. He's riding a three-fight knockout win streak. That one loss was like, I don't want to call it a fluke, but it was that wild armbar loss to Paul Craig where Paul Craig it just snapped. And this is an interesting and he fight. he just kept I, fighting also, like Forrest Griffin. He arm snapped, he's like, yeah, whatever. Well, I get popped care. out of place, not snap, but yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's why he was able to come back like inside of a year. But he... 
frankly, Jamal Hill's tough. He's dangerous. I, I know Glover Teixeira personally. I'm from Connecticut. He's not from Connecticut, but he has been there since 2003, minus some time that he's had to go to Brazil. So I've spent a lot of time with him at a personal level for a while. So I'm never going to pick against a friend, right? With that being said, if I put that aside and think about this logically, Jamal Hill, as we know, is a very dangerous striker and he's bragging about a jiu-jitsu brown belt. Okay, I don't know what, that's not going to help you. Glover Teixeira, a jiu-jitsu black belt, who early in his career was a wild, not a wild, was known as incredible power striker. He's a striker with this incredible power who happens to also do jiu-jitsu. Now that he's getting older, he's grappling a lot more. He's wrestling a lot more. He's using that a lot more. And he's just murdering people with it. And I get it. The Jiri fight, he literally lost that fight. He got exhausted. It was a full 25 minutes. But if we look at the Jan Blachowicz fight, he dropped Jan or like wobbled him with his hands, then worked in the grappling, then got it done. So Glover still has a ton of power. He does have a 43-year-old chin, but he's got phenomenal wrestling, phenomenal grappling. He's ridiculously strong. Jamal Hill was taken down six times by Tiago Santos. If Glover gets Jamal Hill down three times, that's enough. He's not going to need six times because Glover has insane, insane top pressure. And he will elbow and he will beat you up and he will make you work. And look what he did to Anthony Smith's face with that top pressure. So... I think Glover gets this to the ground, and I think he beats up Jamal Hill. And I, I just think that's how that goes. Obviously, he's 43 years old, and Jamal Hill's a sniper. But I think Glover comes in here, gets the takedowns. Obviously, he was training his ass off for an incredibly tough guy. His game plan in that fight was the grappling. It worked for him outside of that scramble. I'm sure he's been wrestling like a beast. And that's what he's going to come out here and do. What do you think? Yeah, um, it's funny that you bring up the Anthony Smith thing because Anthony Smith was supposed to fight Jamal Hill. Jamal Hill gets this fight. Anthony Smith's, oh, well, I'll, I'll help train you. What yeah. the hell is he supposed to learn from Anthony yeah, Smith yeah. in this situation? Right? <laughs> he's just going to tell him he's very strong. Yeah, he's it like, maybe, maybe don't get put on your back. No, but yeah. I think uh, I think you made valid points. And the thing about Glover Teixeira, you see this in basketball all the time, right? Like Vince Carter is a great example of it. Vince Carter was banging on everybody, right? Playing above the rim better than anybody ever has and anybody ever will. And then as he got older, he's shooting, 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 shooting. Glover Teixeira, heavy-handed boxer earlier in his career. As he gets older, gets pieced up a couple of times. Let me just lean on my jujitsu, my crazy physical strength, my bear-like grappling, right? Get on top of guys and just make them quit. Just break them. And he's had a lot of success doing that. And he could totally do the same thing to Jamal Hill this week. But, and I, I know you and I talked a little bit off camera the other day, since Jamal Hill was on the Contender Series, I told anybody who would listen that he'd be the champion one day. Because you don't see a whole lot of guys in these heavier weight classes putting straight punches together the way that this guy does, mixing it up to the body as well, and just controlling the, the pace of the fight and dictating where the action goes with his hands. Nobody does it like Jamal Hill. If Glover Teixeira spends more than five minutes on the feet here, I think he gets knocked out. If Jamal Hill spends more than three minutes on the mat, he probably gets submitted. I'm torn. Um, I think that I think that Jamal Hill has all the tools. I know that Glover has all the tools, but wh what happens if Glover wins this fight? Do you think he keeps defending the title? Or do you think uh, it's last fight in Brazil, win the title, I'm out of here? 
I, I have no idea, obviously, but I think it would be amazing if he won this fight and retired right there. You're 43. You're in, in Brazil. Brazil. You just headlined a card, won your belt back. Literally nothing else to prove. Leading up to this fight, actually leading up to the first Jiri fight, they just ran through all the stats. He has so many records. Most knockouts, most submissions. Like he has so Legend. many records. Legend. It's crazy. And he didn't get popular till like three years ago when he went on that streak of just murdering guys. And then yeah. people got to see his personality because he's like really funny and nice and like a good person. Even in person. 2014 when he fought John Jones, people were like, who is this guy? And yeah. that fight didn't do any favors for him. But, you know, like you said, a couple years after that, just went on a relentless streak. He went on that relentless streak, and so people haven't started really paying attention to him till recently when he's the grappler, and they forget that he has the power in his hands. And Jan Blachowicz is a good... Go watch that fight. You'll see yeah. how he won it, but he pieced up Jan. That Polish power didn't matter. Glover was the one who clearly had more power in that fight, clearly. Yuri Prohaska's power didn't matter either. Um, but I, I feel like Yuri Prohaska had a really hard time landing cleanly on Glover, but he also threw a lot of looping punches and sure yuri fights terribly but he's so effective because he's just a monster <laughs> of a man but he fights terribly like he throws naked uppercuts with his back hand right like it's just it's yeah. bad uh jamal hill is way more technical so he's not sure. going to see the same thing and if he does get hit it's going to be a lot more flush but i don't know this this is a super tough fight i'm surprised jamal hill is the favorite here I'm surprised that the line looks like that. It's I moved think that a few Jamal times. Hill, yeah. like, but I also think that if Jamal Hill fought Yuri Prohaska, he knocks him out. Um, I think Yuri Prohaska, sure. that chin just hanging out there. And even when Glover fought him, right? Final round, Yuri Prohaska's chin's hanging out there. Glover cracks him, but then he jumps <laughs> that guillotine. And it was I know that, that, that was the that decision cost him the up. whole thing. Yeah, that that decision cost him. And, and by, you know, it is what it is. You're in a fist fight for 25 minutes. He didn't really. He was in no real danger that entire fight, so it probably felt safe and opportunistic. And you know, unfortunately, that's what happened. And by the end of the fight, Yuri Prohaska cinches up a rear naked choke with no hooks in. Just do you think just that was just, arm. Do you <laughs> think that was just power Exhaustion. from Prohaska, or do you think he was exhausted? I think it's both. I think uh, I think Glover was exhausted because you know being the offensive wrestler is exhausting. So I think he was exhausted, and it was clean. Like it was just clean. Like mm -hmm. you could squeeze. It's clean. It, if he nothing's was fresh, I think there. he would have exploded out of it or rolled or did something sure. to maybe create a little bit of space in there. But yeah, I, I get what you're. I get what you're saying. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Um, I still think Jamal Hill wins. He's still my pick here. Sure. I like the cardio that he showed last time out against Tiago Santos because Tiago Santos was pushing a wrestling heavy pace and he carried his power late. He still was in good shape late. He's going to come in better shape this time because people were dragging him for his dad bod <laughs> rocks in there. But he yeah, still kind of has a dad bod, which is I crazy. think it's just a weird rib cage that he has. Yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> he, he looks like he's wearing a life preserver. Like he looks like a cop. But I think that he. Uh, <laughs> I think that he gives a good account of himself, but this is a coin flip matchup. Uh, Glover's an absolute dog. I'll ask you this, though. Do you think that going to war with Yuri Prohaska at 42, 43 years old, last time out, takes anything off of him? I don't think I don't think so. Like, so no. what's remarkable about Glover is after that John Jones loss, there were a couple of fights where it's like, oh, man, his chin, you know, he's he's been in some of these fights, but it's been like fantastic lately. Like his chin has been amazing in these last couple of fights. 
at 42, 43. So I don't necessarily... He's in great shape. He works. He's one of the most self-motivated people on the planet. So he has a gym in Connecticut. It's his gym. And he has surrounded himself with other great, hardworking people. And obviously this last camp, you know, Dominic Reyes went there and stuff like that. We, like we've heard about that. But he is very self-motivated. He will push himself and keep going and push other So like that's why he like is a not – like he will not – you will not see him quit in a fight. He'll get tired. Everybody gets tired. He'll push a pace. But yeah, I get it. I, I think, very simply, if Tiago Santos can take down Jamal Hill six times, Glover can as well. He's the better wrestler, the stronger wrestler, the better grappler, the stronger grappler. I don't think he'll need six times. I don't think he'll need it. Because that top pressure is insane. So, But certainly, you know, Jamal Hill paid point accuracy and, and Glover's a little older. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Um... I like Glover. I like him to win. I'm going to spend the $7,800. What do you think? You're going to spend the 84? You need the winner. Um, I'm going to spend the 84 like in single entry, but if you're running multiple 150, even 20 lineups, going 50-50 here I think is a good play. Uh, Glover, arm triangle, Glover, rear naked choke, totally in play. Jamal Hill, flash knockout, totally in play as well. I do think, though, that Hopefully, I mean, they're going to have like Herb Dean or somebody in there who knows what he's doing, not like that vampire let him, Chris Tanyoni. Yeah, in there. let him like, push it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think if he does get dropped, they'll give him a chance to clear the cobwebs, dive for some legs, make Jamal Hill back up and get back into the fight. Um, so I do think that, that Glover is good in that respect. But for DraftKings, I think you need one side of it. Sure. No, I mean, that makes sense because I don't think the loser will score well. I don't think this will be a, like the co-main event. The loser could potentially score very well. I don't think I'll see that here. Um, I see the comment. I'll pin it in a second. I do have a bet on this fight. I got Glover at one unit money line at plus 130. He then went all the way down to plus 100 just two days ago. And then now he's back up to plus 125. So I think people are sort of having the same debate that we are. You know, like they can see all the outcomes. So I think the money, it'll continue to yo-yo a little bit. He's back to yeah. plus 125. People are like, hey, listen, plus 125, that means I'm more than doubling my money. And it's him, the former champion. Like, yeah, of course. And it'll move back and forth. Uh, so right now, a little bit of closing line value there. If you're a premium member, you saw that. If you're not a premium member, you can unlock all the bets, all the picks. Fantasy plays everything you could ever want, including a DraftKings optimizer for only $10 a month. Not an event a month, all the events that month. We on picks.com click become a member. I'm not going to touch this monkey knife fight strike line. Do you have anything else to add for this fight? No, no, not for this fight, but thanks for having me. I, uh, I had fun. This was cool. No, I appreciate you. You hopping on. Um, this is Kunith for anybody who doesn't know. Jacob is sick. He's sick. Fever shakes his butthole. He a very graphic detail about what's going on down there. So he's not here. I reached out to Kunith. He's got his own channel. He does breakdowns just like this. Lots of DraftKings content. Make sure you follow him. I, I 100% appreciate you hopping on for sure. So thank you very much for that. And I know you asked like 20 people before you got to me and you asked your wife, but uh, I, I appreciate that they turned it down and I got the opportunity. Sometimes, you know, that's how it works. Last chance you, right? There you go. It worked out go. for you. Here's my plug. Become a premium member for all the reasons I've listed 100 times over. So instead of listing that, if you're already a premium member and there are well over a thousand of you, 
Link your Discord. I think only a couple hundred of you have linked your Discord. It's free. You click the link Discord button. And what that does is it gives you the instant alerts to your phone. Literally while we were filming this, Jacob placed the bet, put it in the premium alerts, and I got the alert on my phone. That is what matters, uh, especially when we talk about bets and stuff that has line movement. So you can get ahead of that. And if you want 50 bucks, wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our betting partners. Make a deposit. We'll send you 50 bucks. It's affiliate marketing. They pay us. We pay you. It's all very easy, very clear. Do you have any final words for the people? Uh, th thanks. Thank you, chat. Big Capper's not ankle picking my channel, though. No way. Not with this takedown defense. Oh, and uh, sorry, we had this super chat. $2 from Jordan Wiener. Angelo pushes the pace to the fridge and then gases. Fat jokes are not allowed. Thank you very much for the super chat. Appreciate it. All right, man. Well, I uh, appreciate you hopping on. Genuinely, give him a follow. I wish you took a screenshot of your subscriber count before and after this so that, you know, you can see what we did for you. And, you know, I'm always happy to help. You know what I mean? This is me we'll helping see. you. I I'm so looking thanks. at it right now. It hasn't changed. But <laughs> <laughs> it went down, surprisingly. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but no, thank you so much. Genuinely appreciate it.